Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And this is a podcast not about gardening. <laughs> you nailed it. You, you nailed it. I love You're it. You're damn right. I love it. It's a podcast We're not, not about gardening. About <laughs> yeah. Um, How you doing, dude? I like I'm doing great. I was, you know, we, we, this is like a special report episode. There's so much going on in the IAC right now. Um, and oh I think God. it's so great. So yeah. much going on. And I didn't realize that you and I, we do a lot of research and and keeping track of things and talking to people. So in essence, we kind of do a pre-show and production. Like we really take a lot of time out of our day to to stay on top of what's going on. And then organize so. a organize a special interview. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt I, good about I, myself I today. I agree. You know. No, uh we 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 you know talk to our our guest, which everybody's going to see in, in the show notes and, and the title anyway, but um, we have Jim Burke back. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Welcome. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> we were able to talk to you a little bit before the podcast, uh, just running through some things because today, it seems like today in particular, like it, it was funny. I, I think as, as, as information rolls out from the fall board meeting um, and not to get into that, cause we want to, we want to touch on Sebring first, but it, it seems like today of, of, all days. And I don't know if you feel like this, Jim, um, but the information is really spread. And today the information, misinformation and opinions have really um, festered, <laughs> so to speak, and have, <laughs> have and have culminated and peaked today, which is interesting because you guys concluded on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? I didn't hear about it. <laughs> you guys had a fall board meeting. I'm not not sure if you uh, were oh, yeah, aware. No, I, but I, rem- I remember now. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so right. much going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, we did have a, we, did, we had a meeting. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he was too busy. He was too busy depositing his massive ISC paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The salary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we're going to get into a bunch of that. Um, but let's let's jump back. Um, I don't know what. Uh, almost a month now. Three weeks, I guess. Uh, for uh, uh, Sebring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was and, great. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause you flew the NG, uh, yeah, which well, is super of course, cool. Of course we didn't get to fly at the contest, but we still had a good no. time cause we we're hanging out with everybody. So it was, uh, to me, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. But flying the NG is amazing. It is. It is. Uh, Mary and I have been flying the NG quite a bit. Uh, she's, she's been, been doing really well in the decathlon. It's time for her to move up uh, to a new airplane and the NG is a lot of airplane for, her, but but uh, I'm helping her out with it, and it's going really well. It's a good airplane. So that's what, awesome. What with the NG, with the NG, um, what would you say the most glaring difference between that and an LX is the the other latest two seat extra, besides um, it being a monocoque fuselage and all that? But like performance yeah. wise, like what do you notice? Um, it does handle differently. The wings, I think this, I think it's exactly the same, but uh, it has wing tips that I think probably help it out quite a bit. But it feels about the same. Um, as far as the ailerons go, the elevator is a little heavier, but it has more control. And the first flight, I, I honestly, I didn't like the airplane. 
the first flight. I didn't know how to put my finger on it. Oh, and then I flew it again and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's okay. But uh, somewhere in there, I guess the second flight, I realized, oh my God, I'm flying it really fast. It's just so much faster than the LX. And it's been a few years since I had my LX. And I was uh, trying to snap with the airplane like 150 knots. And I was, you know, cruising along the bottom of the box, like 220. Whereas like, normally I'd be at, in an LX, like 170 knots. You know, it's just, just so easy to go fast. But it's so quiet. Wow. So what I noticed uh, is that it's a very, very quiet airplane. It's, uh, it doesn't have the, the same uh, control feel as the LX. It feels really heavy at first because you're just going really fast and you start snap rolling it at a high airspeed. It just doesn't want to snap roll very well, like, which makes sense. But when I finally realized that and slowed it down, uh, I, I was able to fly through unlimited sequences with no problem. It's a very clean airplane. It, it picks up speed really well and holds it really well. And it's still challenging because it's two seat. It's heavy. You know, to fly an unlimited sequence, it's going to be hard. But uh, mm-hmm. I would say it's probably uh, more capable than the LX. I would say, no, definitely it's more capable than the LX, but it's probably um, uh, also probably more appropriate, you know, than, uh, than an LX. And what I really thought was uh, exciting and surprising was how much better it was at freestyle. I was able to do most of my air show stuff. Most of what I do with even my modified SC tail, I could do a lot of it. I couldn't do everything, but I could do it well enough that I could, you know, still have a good show and it would be better than a 300L show for sure. So, um, oh, that's so I, awesome. Yeah. So I was really excited about that. I think it's a solid airplane. We heard, I heard a lot of talk about the NG being a lot more quiet uh, because of the, yeah. the fuselage design and everything. Is that tr- like, is it noticeably different or is it something you have to kind of. It is. You know, well, really- I, you know, I, when I had the, even when they had the S Bach, you know, I remember being like, wow, it's weirdly quiet, you know, way back. All, all these carbon fiber airplanes are just like that. The MX2 I had was, was quiet, but this is more quiet. If you, you really notice if you got up next to it and open the canopy, the canopy is just thicker, feels heavier. The frame is a little bit bigger. The, the side panels of the interior of the aircraft, you know, they're, everything's just a little bit meatier than like the MX2. So it's even quieter than that. And there's a really good seal kind of, um, I can't explain it, but the, you know, it's not just a, a flush fit. It's got a little bend in there so that there's a really solid seal between the canopy and the fuselage. And it's one, one piece fuselage. So if you're used to an LX, or an SC, you know, there's a lot of, it's like an edge, you know, just kind of like a, just a frame with a, panels. you know, panels yeah. around it. So instead you're inside this carbon fiber egg and uh, it's just nice and quiet in there. It's a, it's very comfortable. Yeah. And the interior, it's a beautiful it airplane. Like, it, it, it is. It's like yeah. a serious, it's, it's a serious interior almost. It's uh, just very refined. It's, and it seems that it kind of, you know, with that step up in the interior and, and, and everything, you know, the, the hardcore aerobatic guy is going to get an extra or an MX. They're going to get what they like, but it kind of becomes a lot more appealing to the person like the Cirrus driver or, you know, the Bonanza guy to, to try to get into tailwheel and do, you know, gentleman aerobatics. It's it's a really beautiful looking airplane. Yeah, I talked to uh, Chad Graves today and I've talked to Doug Beta a lot um, lately. And uh, one, of the, one of the things they point out to me and you, you guys, you're in the same boat. We all think of everybody buying these things to fly unlimited, but obviously there's no real market for that. A lot of people that buy these have TBMs or um, jets and they want another airplane to go have fun. And they really just want yeah. to have the, the best airplane that's really comfortable and has good legs for yeah. cross country and, and it feels like a fighter, you know, instead of buying a P51, they want this. So it's yeah, very yeah. appropriate. That's that totally okay. Airplane. Yeah, it is. It is. And if, but, but, but this also can teach you a lot about aerobatics and it's really good for competition all the way up to including unlimited. So that's a pretty good deal. I think. Now, yeah. Um, and, and we can get into the whole, the breaking news with Southeast Aero, which I think oh. a lot of our listeners, you know, I've gotten wind about, but um, from what I heard with extra, 
if you want to purchase an NG, I'm not sure how LXs and SCs fall in, in between the schedule, but it's it's nearly a year and a half, two year wait right now. Is that correct? Well, I don't know exactly what the wait is. It is long. They're on, um, I think, somewhere in the 50s in terms of serial numbers. They've made quite a few of them, I understand. And I don't have the They're best already up to 50 maybe. on NG? Yeah, I, wow. I, I mean, I have all the best information, but I saw the serial number set of the ones that are uh, being built right now are in the 50 range. So I, I guess that's what that's that means. That's amazing. It is, it is uh, surprising, if that's true. I think yeah. it is true. Um, but the thing about the airplane industry right now is they're kind of going through um, – they're, they're being a little cautious because I, I spoke to Jerry Melhoff at American Champion recently. I spoke to Walter Extra recently. I spoke to several people who are uh, delivering airplanes right now. And there was a period in the early 2000s where um, uh, these companies were making quite a few airplanes, like you know, 50, 60, 70 airplanes a year. And then when, the, when things crashed in 2007, 2008, whatever it was, they ended up having to compete with them. the airplanes they had made two or three years previously because they were back on the market at, with 50 hours or 75 hours, all these Oh, airplanes. interesting. And they just, they, and the problem when they made, when you make a bunch of airplanes is the margin goes down. So you make, you go to high volume. And that sounds great. Obviously, you're going to maximize your earnings for the year. It totally makes sense as a business person. But also, when your margin goes down, now you're really struggling because you can't compete with those prices on the used market, even. And that's yeah, exactly the saturated market. Yeah. So, so what's happening, I think now it looks like um, everybody's kind of being careful and they're just taking orders in advance and seeing, you know, if, once they get to two or three year wait times, they'll probably ramp up production, you know, but for now, yeah. Not ready to do that, so people are going to have to wait a little bit. Well, and it's fascinating too because yeah. you know I, I feel like the extra 300L, not, not even the midwing, but the 300L. I mean, they produce so many of them. I guess is probably the, uh, the real reason why. But I feel like there's always been used 300Ls on the market, and it was an airplane that even when they were selling new, you saw used on the market. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, you're. I mean, if I'm sure most of the LXs that are being sold and it's few in numbers are off market, but every once in a while you'll see an LX pop on the market and it's gone. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's a, there's a weird gap to where I wonder when we'll start seeing a lot of, um, I guess, higher generation used extras on the market. Uh, yeah. and this probably speaks to that is like, they just are not making as many. They're not flooding the market with new airplanes. So then the used market does not get flooded. No, the demand is very, so, very high. They're moving very fast. There's not going to be an opportunity to buy one on the cheap until there's some change in the economy that forces people to sell them. And right now, that's not the case with inflation the way it is. You know, the, yeah, price is going, yeah. the, yeah, the new prices are going to keep going up rapidly over the next couple of years, I'm predicting. I'm not, yeah. I'm not your, your financial advisor, but that's what I would predict. So it's going to yeah. be a pretty pretty stable uh, situation, I think, for, for a couple of years here. So yeah, that's yeah. I think that's the that's the, the near future. Then eventually there'll be some kind of ebb and flow in the market and things will change. But I like to think I'm always optimistic, and I think that we're uh, what we're seeing really is a lot of the older airplanes that we've known for so long. You know, they're aging out, and there's a I believe there's a yeah. real strong demand for new aircraft, which is one of the reasons yeah. I'm interested in investing in Southeast Air, which is what you're going to bring up next probably. So we'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I uh, uh, we have a purchase agreement to purchase the the assets of Southeast Air, uh, which is August, amazing. Florida. Yeah, it's congratulations. a really fun, fun deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's it's not going to close for a couple of weeks. There's always a chance something will go wrong. So it's a little early so to talk about what it. Made you, what made you, um, what kind of piqued your interest in Southeast Aero? Um, when did you start, you know, considering? Because from what I understand, um, you know, just because the community is so small, um, Southeast Aero has kind of, you know, in certain terms you know advertise that they they would be interested to sell it at the right price for mm -hmm. for at least five years 
Mm-hmm. Um, so how long have you been, you know, doing some research on this company and tracking it and, and what made you want to buy it? Uh, you know, you probably remember, maybe we didn't talk about it. But my dad was an aircraft broker. So when I grew up, I was around airplane sales and picking up aircraft and that's what really got me into aviation. So I've, I've always kind of wanted to get back or not get back, but I guess enter that, that market. Um, in fact, I told my dad the day about it and he was very excited for me. It's kind of cool. Um, that's awesome. That's, Super that's, cool. Yeah, is he, yeah. he going to work yeah. there with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Oh, I was no. being serious. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. No, no, uh, that's not a good idea. But, uh, but let, I, let him it, deliver the airplanes uh, this time. <laughs> yeah, 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 be I the totally, ferry pilot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so that, that's, that kind of is like, that answers like the, the big um, why. But specifically on Southeast Aero, I just have always enjoyed working with them. I purchased two new aircraft from them and I like them a lot. I think they have a great story and I love extras. It's, I think they're great aircraft, um, and I want to be part of that. I, I, I've, I like all the other aircraft too. You know, you if you every time, I every people ask me stuff about airplanes, I always like them all. It's just my personality. I, I think they're all great. But um, I have an experience with these. I thought was very positive, and uh, I respect Walter's engineering. So I thought, why not be part of that? Um, and plus, it's another opportunity to, to hang out in the sun down in Florida. I like Florida a lot. I've always wanted to have a home down there. And, this wait, hold on. I need to stop you. Wait, wait, wait. Time I need, out. I, 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 have, a, I have a question you. too. You go, then nope. I go. We're not getting off this. No, nope. do not sidetrack this topic. I, I, <laughs> I, I am adamantly against you keeping it in Florida. You need to move it to the West Coast where it belongs. How, yeah. And no. it must be called Southwest no. Arrow. <laughs> uh, there's actually another another business in the, in the Southwest that I'm looking at buying right now too. So maybe something like that will happen. But does it does it does it rhyme with? <laughs> Does it rhyme with Schley's aviation? <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I, I, that's, we're just going to leave that topic entirely. That's all you get. Who knows, who knows what's going to happen? But, but, uh, but, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's uh, opportunities um, in this industry that people aren't seeing. And usually, yes. business, I, I try to be counter-cycle, uh, which can get you in a lot of trouble. But, you know, in this case, I think we have growth potential. And that's why I'm investing there. And I, I recently sold uh, most of the remaining assets of my software company, um, and uh, which which we make the real flight simulator or did I've sold the, all the assets of that off, which was uh, you know a good deal for me, and and I, I really want to be in the aviation industry, so that's yeah. where I'm taking my money right now. Yeah, I love so it. My whole life is planning on moving to Saint. Aug- I love Saint Augustine. It's my great. wife loves Saint Augustine. Love Saint Augustine um, too. It's really beautiful. Yeah is is Southeast Arrow in the foreseeable future going to still have the magic of the old city? Because I will, I won't move there if it's not there. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's got a, like a, it's got like a ten year lease. So there's your answer. Oh God, thank you. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's when you buy companies, it's hard for everybody. Uh, people that work there, and they always ask you, "What are you going to do?" And they're nervous you're going to yeah. like shut it down. And what the big message you give everybody is, "Well, you know," and except in the movies, people don't really buy companies and like destroy them. It doesn't really make any sense. You know, you're trying to yeah, yeah. Give, if it ain't broke, don't good fix jobs it. And, yeah, and take care of everybody and kind of pick up where the other guy left off and hopefully make it better. That's what you're trying to do. So are you going to, because you come from a, a digital background, uh, you know, with, uh, I'm assuming, coding and, and, and computers. Are you going to uh, digitize Southeast Arrow and, and make it more um, more tech-driven? Tech uh, I have I have things I've made that uh, um, I haven't really talked about very much, but um, I would love to get them plugged into Southeast Air. I have some things I, I guess I can talk about, but I have a, a system I've made, which is a camera that follows an air. Have I talked about this with you guys? So you, you put um, the camera down. I know you talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, I remember it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you put the camera on the ground that follows the aircraft and that records all your flights. And then some data logging things I've made that I think are product potential. And I think if I if I um, was going to continue to develop those things, which I probably will, I'd probably do that at St. Augustine because the, the aircraft are there and I'll be there quite a bit. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, it's too early to say, guys. I really, the, the first thing to do is just, if I pick up the company, I just try and wrap the way that Kramer's done. He's done a good I'm job. I'm literally on Zillow right yeah. now looking at houses. <laughs> you should come down there. We could all, we could all have a... We get condos together, you know, next door to each other. Yeah, we could build the doors between oh, yeah. us. Hang out, have a beer, and then we go fly airplanes. That sounds it's so funny because hit, hit the airport and fly extras. My wife and I were looking at um a couple of years back. We're going to end up being there. Uh, we were looking at condos. Uh, you you know where Ocean Grand is? I don't. It's directly across from the airport, and it was great. So this realtor brought us in. We were looking at it, and um it. It was just fate because Goulian, it was off season and Goulian was training in the box with his air show. Oh, wow. And I'm on the balcony just watching Goulian do his stuff. And, you know, Nick's is, uh, you know, checking out the bathroom. I don't know what the heck. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I would love, I love St. Augustine. Oh, yeah. Love it. Great, great city. Um, great food. Uh, beautiful. It's city. awesome. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. city. Yeah. It's super it fun is. to walk around there. It's super it's fun to fly around there. there. After they fixed up his airplane, you you missed out on a great you know insurance bill right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. After, after but, they super glued my airplane back together, yeah, yeah. But Mark stayed at uh, Casa Monica. I was telling him, yeah, that. it was a beautiful hotel there. Super fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, so, they, they did a terrible they they did a terrible job on my airplane. By the way, zero out of five stars. Okay. Good, good. Well, that makes that makes no. us room for improvement. So that's good. <laughs> Just yeah. only, I, only I tell you what, way to go from there. <laughs> I hopped in that airplane. I did one lap after not flying it for like 11 months, uh, 10 months. And then I and ruined the landing it, gear. <laughs> and and I, I splayed the brand new landing gear. And then I, yeah. I flew it across the country without a single squawk. I mean, they That's just did. I, I, I have so much respect for Kramer and Doug and the team there. They're all just really, really great people. Yeah. The good guys yeah. for sure. They it's a great organization. Going. It is. Yeah. It's a good, that, a good thing with, going. That's exactly it. With yeah. that video software, with tracking the airplane, are you looking? Because I know you have it. Are you, you, um, what's your plan with it? Are you going to try to monetize it and, and put it into an app or so well, we can all use it? I've, I've always, I'm always working on projects. I've got like a couple dozen <laughs> unfinished projects, you know. <laughs> uh, but I've got this, this thing, Motion Crop, which, which takes video you've, you know, that a person has recorded and, and crops on the airplane. And I've got this thing, which uh, we call, um, well, it doesn't matter what it's called, but it's it it is actually a gimbaled camera that follows an aircraft, right? And then I've got this stuff that does the the data logging and uh, records all your control stick inputs and all that stuff, and uh, have playback uh, systems that let you play all that stuff back, so you can like watch your flight from the cockpit or from the ground and do it with VR and all that stuff. It's really neat stuff. But the problem is, it's it's even though it's a good prototype, it takes a long time to get it ready for the market. And as I've done them every year, I look at all these things and I, and I wait for the technology to get cheaper. Like the sensors I used for the, uh, the, the, the motion tracking camera system, you have to put sensors on the aircraft and it broadcasts what's going on. It's hard to do optically. It's possible, but hard and expensive. So I did it this way, but it's still like, you know, uh, eight or $10,000 worth of the sensors to do that. And every year oh, it gets wow. cheaper. So what you do is you look at this, you put it as what you do R and D, you know, you put it in spreadsheets and eventually the price gets low enough that you can make a product for what you think the market would bear. And I think in, in that case, it's probably something like five grand. I think it's probably a good price point for it, which means you got to be able to put it together for, you know, maybe fifteen hundred dollars in parts or something. It's just, it's just we're far away from there right now, but it'll happen right. eventually. Yeah, that's that's the, re- the hard I, reality I wanted, of being an engineer. Yeah, I wanted to get just back to this. We were talking about the NG and and how many they've they've produced, and 
you know, older extras and newer extras. And, you know, my thoughts, and I think I shared this with you, Mark, but um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this gym or this, this thought process that due to the fact of, of there being high volume of, of um, extras in the market and LXs, LPs, LCs and NGs. Now the, you know, quote unquote, you know, um, old school 300 L's um, have, I've seen a, a pretty decent price drop on them. And I think, you know, it's unfortunate for the person that owns it that has to sell it. But for the newer aerobatic pilot or the guy moving up from, say, decathlon, I think that, you know, due to the saturation of all these extras in two places on the market, it's going to open a lot of doors for people to take that next step up into a higher category with the higher performing airplane that meets their price range. Um, I was just yeah. curious if you agree with that or... What your thoughts well, definitely, are. It's, if you look at the market these days, and this comes up in the board meetings quite a bit or just in casual conversation with people, is that the, uh, you know, the existence of the $15,000, $20,000 pits, is, it's, little, it's, a little hard, it's hard to say that that's really available these days. And, you know, it's gone. Pit, yeah, it's gone. It costs, you know, a, good, a good pits costs forty grand. If you want one with a fresh engine, you're looking at seventy five. That's an S1S. Yeah. You know? you can, but, the, but the weird thing is about that is you can get a S2B for maybe $100,000. You know, which which is yeah. interesting because you'd expect it to be quite a bit more, and then you start going up, and now you let's say you want a, a two thousand three or newer decathlon, which is what people seem to want. Well, now you're looking at one fifty, and then you want an yeah. extra. You're looking at one seventy five or one eighty for an older one, and you start getting to some pretty nice ones for two fifty, like really nice ones. And yeah, you climb, climb up the scale, and now you're in the three hundreds, looking at a, a used SC, and um, and obviously everybody's pain point is at a different point. It always will be, but it's I feel like it's getting compressed. And I think it's just like I said about the fleet aging. We just don't have those uh, cherry, uh, you know. The, maybe there was hundreds of pits built in 1974. I don't know, but you know, imagine there were. Over time, yeah. they've just gotten less and less. Um, uh, they're not being updated as often. They're not getting new, fresh engines on them, and they're rotting and they're not being kept alive. So, if you make a pits now, you're going to spend 150,000 dollars. So it's just not as as reasonable to expect that as it used to be. And I think that's that's just the reality of it. That's, not a good or bad thing to me, by the way. It's economics. I don't make moral. Just is what it is on the market. It's just it's a waste of my time and everyone else's. So yeah, it's just something we adapt to. But I, I do think it means that the fleet in general is becoming more capable and safer, and I think that's a good thing in the end. Yeah, well, that was wow. I, that's it's, such a great answer. I feel so out of my <laughs> league right now. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know you you look at like what three hundred Ls are that are hitting the market in the yeah. you know like I mean. Uh, the damage history on my midwing, notwithstanding, but you know, I mean, may, maybe I could get 180. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Call it 170 to, to 190. I don't know. But like you, you kind of look in that, that sub $200,000 range for a, a 300 or a 300L. There are airplanes that are probably, they probably had 1000 hour and they're, they're midway into their second with a timed out engine or something like that, or, or close to a 1200, 1500 hour, something like that. It's going to be interesting. They're just not old enough yet. You know, another uh, maybe, gosh, maybe another ten years, five years, depending on how hard you fly the airplane. But you start seeing there's some out there like Susan Bell's is high, uh, high time. Uh, Michael Church's is like it's pretty high time. But none of them have reached that life limit yet. Um, I was talking yeah. to Mark or uh, to uh, Eric Extra about this. They haven't had a they haven't had to do a single inspection, uh, a timeout inspection, which is I think four thousand hours if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. On an extra, so you start seeing, you know, maybe when, when this when this crop of mid nineties to late nineties, 300s and 300 L's hit 3000 hours. You might start really seeing as long as they've been taken care of at least, um, you might start seeing them in the 150, 125 range, which is going to be insane. 
to yeah, see. Maybe you won't, though. There's definitely fatigue limits to, to worry about at some point. I don't know what they really are. I'm sure it's I'm sure extras on top of that, of course. But uh, yeah. you know, when you start getting the three or four thousand hour airplanes, you have to worry about the welds um, and all the stress rise that's created around the welds and all that. I, I, Absolutely. I, you know, I, I think you just have to do a good inspection, and that that adds cost and uh, risk. So there's a the the, the it's hard to say exactly what happened. I, I remember you know of 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe twenty years ago, I started seeing uh, twin engine pipers for like nothing. You know, I remember I, I almost bought a an Aztec, I guess. It was like, you know, $50,000 with two pretty fresh engines. And I was like, wow, that's a great deal. But that's just kind of what the market did. And now it's getting to where you almost can't find yeah. uh, cheap twin engines anymore. Because it's a twin, get, yeah. Yeah, they, they, get, they get cheap enough. <laughs> look what, no look what 152s are going for. You, yeah. And 152 yeah. now is like sixty grand. Yeah, yeah. Dude, 172s and 182s are, are like almost two hundred grand now. Yeah. 182, so, a nice, a nice older 182 is 200 grand, 180, 185. Yeah. Crazy. But to what happens with the extras, what will happen is they'll get, they'll get less expensive until finally there's kind of like a compression down the bottom range where eventually people just say it's not worth selling the airplane anymore or it's not worth putting a new engine on it. That That's just the, the yeah. nature of, of, you know, being things becoming old and we can't stop that. So over yeah. time that will happen. And engines now are sixty seventy thousand $70,000. If you get yep. to where the engines, uh, two thirds of the whole value, of the aircraft, I think that's it. That's probably what it means. Now, yeah. now that's every S one on the market almost. Yeah. And that's really what it's, what's killing it. Just as you said, you know, these, these S one sit, maybe the, uh, owner builder flyer died and the airplane sits for 10 years. And then you're looking at, okay, well I got to do fabric. I got to, I got to open the wing up. I got to look at that. I got to look at some other stuff and the engine's 200 hours away from TBO. And it's like, well, you, what, no matter what you buy it for, you're going to spend, way more than you would ever want to spend on an S1 unless you really have some love for an F, you know, some affinity or personal attachment to a particular tail number or serial number. Um, it, it just doesn't seem economically viable to be buying an well, S1 and then fixing it. Yeah. Well, it's never, never was economically viable, but one of the things that's been yeah. really different about our culture now is we just, we value our time more, which is not a bad thing. You can go and work and make money and, and then pay for someone else who has made the airplane for you. But the, out there, some right now in the audience is someone thinking, well, this doesn't seem right to me. I really want there to be a, a you know, I want to fly a pits. I want to know that there's cheap pits out there. And they, really, the answer is you just have to go build one then because that's how those yeah. got here in the first place. They weren't really made from an economic standpoint. They're made because people had time in their hands and we all have time in our hands. So yeah. it's still possible. And they'll always be around, right? It's not like they're going to go away. It's just that the fleet no. changes, changes its shape and composition over time. But it's yeah. like economic yeah. law, there's no way around it. Maybe yeah. maybe you can help me with. Uh, I want to try to keep it light and airy. Um, I had a yeah. question now that you're yeah. you're heavily involved airplane's in next good. year. My next answer is to be like, airplane's good, Jeff. Why do? Why? I was just why, curious. Why, why, why do airplanes? <laughs> why do airplanes? <laughs> why airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Oh, now you took the fun out of my joke. Damn. No, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, keep going. Tell it again. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, it's going to sound so stupid, but I was going to ask you why everybody with the midwing that's an ex-Northern Light midwing has to state that it's an ex-Northern Light midwing when they have it. <laughs> <laughs> the, only reason I, I, this is gonna, I, the only reason I actually know what the Northern Lights were is because people kept telling me that they had a Northern Lights airplane. I, I actually yeah. somehow <laughs> missed the Northern Lights in every way. I think because of where I live and what I was involved in, you know, and, and uh, just didn't see them. And then uh, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Northern Lights airplane. I hear from, you know, four Jim, I don't think you, 
I don't think you understand the strain that Mark is under right now and not blurred out that he has a Northern Light Midway. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm picturing that meme of that. I'm picturing that meme of that kid sitting in the desk with his vein popping out. And it's like I haven't told anybody I have a Northern Lights midwing in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But does That's that add, would you add value? Like you know, let's like fast forward six months from now, and you know, Mark comes into your office and is like, I want to sell my midwing, and you're like, Well, tell me about it, Mark. And you're like, There's not much to tell besides it's the next door than light. Does that just like? <laughs> automatically add value to the midwing. Uh, I, I guess I, I think it probably would to the right buyer. There's it would have idea. to be. Yeah. It would only add value to somebody that cared about it for sure. Yeah, I think so. It does have a pretty paint job though. There, there there's some value there. Well, there's probably it something okay. more to, if it's Northern lights airplane, maybe there's something about how they were all ordered the same or something. Maybe explain something about the airplane. I don't know. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? They are, you should be able to, they answer, are actually huh? unique. No, they are. They are actually um, slightly different. Well, they, Mark, uh, Mark should be worth less because you don't even have a, a a window to open the canopy. I don't have a window. Um, <laughs> none of the work. Northern Lights. So all the Northern he, Lights midwings got. No, no. It, all the Northern Lights midwings were. Um, uh, all the pl- uh, the the glass and and plat or you know, whatever. Uh, Plexiglass, Lexan, whatever, not Lexan, but Plexiglass, whatever they're using, um, was ordered from um, Todd's Canopy, Todd's Glass or whatever it is in Florida. Um, so he did the canopies for the Northern Lights and all the the um, siding um, plastics uh, are like tinted. And so none of them had windows that I understand. And some were added later on, um, but none of them have windows. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't, I can't lock my canopy from the outside. So, okay. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. So, so you just let it sit there every time. How do you walk away from your yeah. airplane? Um, wow. I mean, when it's closed, it's not a Love. big deal. I, I, I'll tell you though, during the ferry, um, I landed in Pecos, Texas and it was blown like 45 knots and it, uh, I did not get out of the airplane. I had somebody fuel the airplane and I held the canopy down yeah. inside the airplane. Um, so let me just ask it, you, it was bad. If if Jeff and I found a way to get that canopy to latch while you're outside of it, you would never be able to open it again. Is that right? See, yeah, <laughs> that would be to have a hidden camera and do that yeah. would be epic. <laughs> There's got to be a way. You could definitely you could like you could take the side panel you could unscrew the panel off enough to like probably stick your your hand through you know squeeze the the latch closed and then and then uh, you know button the can the the side panel back up and this is like hey dude it's, it's I not would coming pay, open until you do that again I would pay I'd pay fifty dollars to see that what would you pay Jim like honestly well, I'd pay an honest fifty dollars for a copy I of that video that, I think that answers the question of how do we get extras less expensive is we just get the canopies sealed shut so nobody can. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> See, this is why you need to hire good, us when you when you. That'd be that. a good joke. It, that'd be a good practical joke at a contest, you know. Just like because it would take you know fifteen twenty minutes, just unzip a panel, you know, side, the side panel, and reach your hand through. Yeah, I, some, I, I imagine. I imagine Mark is a salesman at the New Southeast Arrow, and some guy brings in his extra to sell it. It's like a two thousand ten LP or LX, and he goes. All right. Well, was this a Northern Light plane at one point in its life? That's right. No, we don't want it. We don't want oh, it. We only we only want former Northern Lights airplanes. Um, Sorry. Yeah, there are some other differences, but not not anything that. On on this is honestly and truly, I, I don't know that there would be anything that would add actual value to the airplane 
um, <laughs> above uh, above and beyond normal market value. It's just di- like different stuff. Like the trim, the trim is set up different um, than every other extra I've flown, which is weird. Um, it's a vernier knob on the left side instead of a lever on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, which is other nice. than that, I mean, it's 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 you know, I mean, I don't touch the trim much in extras anyway. Maybe a little bit yeah. here and there, but um, it's just it's just kind of different. It, There's nothing that, that's which, like exciting about a Northern Lights extra, other than the fact that it's just cool, history wise, <laughs> ab geek wise. With that, with South Arrow, you um, did you does that come with the dealer rights to American Champion as well? Yeah, they're, they they move a few uh, American Champion products a year. It's not all decathlons, I, but uh, yeah, they they sell those as well. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about the new Aura cool. Aero um, aircraft, which is going to be coming out. Uh, be kind of making the rounds in the U.S. next year, supposedly. But it's the one that's a side by side, like a Cap Ten. Yeah, um, Cap Ten I, style. Yeah, yeah. Are yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Are you bringing that to the states, or is that not known well, yet? No, I'm not. I mean, I know them. I've been talking to them, but I'm not um, currently involved. Are you lying them, right but, now? <laughs> link. He's link lying twice if you're lying. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but, I, but I do think it's a it's an interesting <laughs> product. I'm looking forward to trying it out and uh, maybe. Maybe uh, I think there's an opportunity for that aircraft because it really would bridge the gap. Hundred percent. Yeah. Did you yeah. see any of the any of the flying from it? It's a it's. I, did. I would say it's on par with an extra. It's a little bit less than an extra two hundred, but like marginal. Yeah, I think that's exactly the, that's the comparison I would make too. Is uh, definitely a step up from the S two B based on how it's flying, but yeah. uh, but but probably around the two hundred. And it'd be nice to have a, a trainer that's side by side and. I think it's a ballistic shoot also, which I, if it does, I, I really, I personally really like that for two people. You yep. might as well. It's not really a weight panel. Yeah. yeah. It would say the passengers would like it, you know? Um, I would so, buy that over a super D any day of the week. No offense. Well, that you yeah, were super, I, uh, American I, champion would, I wonder show. if the pricing though, <laughs> I, I, well, I guess, I mean, su- a new super D is not cheap. Um, exactly. a new pits S2 B or a new, a new pits S2 C is not cheap, but, uh, yeah, yeah if that's it, God, if you, if that can compete in that world, um, and it's, it's, you know, cause what it's is a new super D needs. now? It's, 350 375 I don't know I don't know I don't know but it's uh it was it's more than a lot of people would pay if for but you know that's what it is <laughs> it is what, what it is do. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's going to be at some point here you'll see the, if it has happened already you'll see the first $600,000 extra we have a lot of inflation yeah. this year and next year and it's, it's coming happen. yeah decathlon yeah. you know typically i think used to be a little less than half the price of an extra but probably it might be a little more than half right now there's a little bit of uh, change there, but it's not that significant, you know? So I think that's yeah, probably the yeah. price point it's going to be at, cause we're going to be at 600,000 for an extra. Why not 300,000? Oh my gosh, that would be great. Sure. If the aura came in, came in, I would be so excited to, uh, to see that. Cause side by side, I think for training is great. It's hard. Tandem is yeah. very hard. I think for a beginning stage to, to train somebody, I mean, you can get, I feel like you're, you have such a better, you know, um, ability to, to train somebody by looking at their hands and maybe even, no question. Um, you know, let, letting them see. It's just obvious. I think everybody knows where I'm going with that. But it'll be the uh, biggest super thing ever. excited. If it works out, be, I think and I'm, I'm not trying to exaggerate, but I think it'd be the biggest thing ever happened to airbag training in the U.S. to have a side-by-side, a capable I side-by-side agree. trainer. And it's the thing that really uh, differentiates us in our, our training methods from the Europeans, which they're so much more successful because they have the Cap-10 and aircraft like yeah. that to teach people in. Or even a Yak-52, by the way, is still a pretty good trainer. And the Decathlon's a great airplane for primary up to sportsman but once you get past that um you're really pushing the airplane and it doesn't really handle the way of other airplanes do so learning intermediate in that aircraft is not really as helpful as uh 
learning it in something that's a little more you know sprightly. So when yeah, you're ready for Snapple, I agree. You, I agree with like that. a side by side aircraft. Yeah. Well, even an S two B is is kind of. Uh, I mean, I mean, I won't. You're not. You're not pushing. Well, intermediate starts pushing the bounds of an S two B. Also, I mean, uh, well, in advanced, some ways, advanced for sure. You know, advanced absolutely. Yeah, one of the things I, that kind of that frankly I really wish we would uh, change the IC is the the, the known programs that the base aircraft for um, advanced is the Pitts S two A. I don't know if you know that, but that's our that's our yeah, selected really? aircraft the IC. And, I don't think that's a good choice. And then the known aircraft no. in the intermediate category is the 150 horsepower decathlon. And I really don't think that's a good choice either. Those are good choices. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but quite a while ago, but now it's getting hard. It's harder to find an S2A. It's harder. And the 150 yeah. horsepower Citabria is the base aircraft for primary and sportsmen. It gets hard to find those and people aren't flying them in competition very much now. So, yeah. you know, but it's hard because people want to hold on to the, those, um, the older aircraft, which I understand. We don't want to, you know, change, change how hard the categories are. But, um, you know, if you think about what would be really best to fly advanced in, um, these days it would not be an S2A. It's the heart of the airplane, it, it, yeah. a lot of uh, broken nose rips because people fly advanced, I think. So not the best yeah. choice, maybe. Yeah. Is that is that something that's kind of, I mean, I'm sure you have a long list um, and an agenda as, as the IAC president, but is is trying to figure out a way throughout America to, entice people to start up an airplane flying club or, or different clubs. Is that something that you want to try to um, educate people on and get them to uh, have gain knowledge and pursue themselves doing? Is that, is that something kind of uh, that you've been thinking about? You know, the, the flying club thing is so successful in Europe. And I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time I saw him, but I participated a little bit there and I really, I saw how much community spirit they have. And uh, of course, people all over the world are just like everybody else. They're just like us. They, they love airplanes, like talking about them, like hanging out. So they have this club system and you get a lot of uh, camaraderie. You get to experience the airplanes out too much money. But I think that the, what, the reason I've done that is probably not related to like someone like me pushing for it. I think the real reality is it's just not economically necessary yet. And uh, as airplanes and insurance in particular gets more expensive, that probably it'll be necessary. And I think people find the advantages once they really have to do that. Yeah. But right now, individual think, airplane ownership is how everybody wants to do it, and that's nice too. Yeah, I think that the biggest hurdle um, about this subject is that aviation and and quote unquote being a pilot has this stigma attached to it that you have to be a millionaire, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think that immediately um, stops people from from wanting to do it. You know, because there's plenty. Of, I mean, you look at all these, you know, the twenty five plus or minus five year demographic and they're driving a BMW M3 or, you know, this new, and so I don't think, you know, economics is the issue. I think it's just the education level and, and letting them, you know, know about it and, and the financials of what it will really cost. Cause I think they would do it. Like everybody I talk to the young kids, you know, I try to get involved in the IC are shocked when I, you know, go over the numbers with them with it. Yeah. Well, everybody uh, has their ideas about how to make the IC better. And one of the ones I, I don't have a lot I can really do without the economic arguments. People say it's too expensive, but I mean, that's just not something, I mean, I'm not going to be able to make airplanes cheaper for people. It's what can you do with that? Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, that's not really my area. And I, I don't really, to be truthful, I don't really spend a lot of time wringing my hands over problems like that. But I do think, um, you know, well, I, and the I IC what, is not, the IC is not, the IC isn't expensive. No. Like, contests not, aren't yeah. even really that expensive. It's the, it's all the other stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that the IC doesn't have control over. 
Yeah, what I just tell people is it's worth it. I don't, I don't, I try to, to excuse the cost yeah. or defend it. I just say it's if you have the money to spend, obviously, then it's worth it. Uh, that's I think yeah. the better message for everybody is it's worth the cost. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we're about forty minutes in, and um, oh, are, are, are we, you timing? <laughs> are you timing the 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 death march here? I know we have we everybody is like. All right, enough about this stupid French cap bullshit and right. and we want to hear about it. We want to we want we Jim's here for a reason. Get to it. <laughs> All right, we, yeah. So the fall board meeting, yeah, concluded this weekend, and it it like I think in the beginning here I kind of said you know it, it it's it's sent some opinions in varying directions and it's 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 kind of starting to. Again, that it's it's that the embers have been have been going, and and it's mm-hmm. some people are getting kind of heated, and and there's, uh, it's a, it's a, well, I guess a polarizing fall board meeting. Um, but can you give us your thoughts? Uh, first of all, uh, maybe lead us into uh, the board meeting as far as you don't have to go over the, uh, you know, there was what like sixty or something rule yeah. changes uh, proposals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have to go over all those, but like this was a big meeting, and and it really. Mm-hmm. Uh, had some um, some large implications because of what happened at nationals this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you kind of maybe summarize all of that so everybody can kind of get an idea of like oh, what you guys wow, had to that's... deal with and the decisions? I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot four more hours, do, right? Do, do, do. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a lot to well, talk. Well, actually, about. can you can you t- educate me because I really want to? I kind of want to know about this. I don't have any clue. Can you educate me on the person that you brought in uh, for the board meeting and and what that person yeah. does? Yeah. Well, we should. Yeah, we could talk about this in. A bunch of it works. I like the idea of jumping around. It's a good idea. But obviously, following the Nationals, um, the most controversial period that I've ever experienced as an IAC or let alone as IAC president. And I was engaged with in conversation with people, you know, pretty much nonstop for at least two weeks, um, constant phone calls and emails and messages and uh, threats to quit or um, just various, you know, uh, and by the way, it wasn't entirely unanimous, of course, right? It never is. And we can talk about why all that happened, the story of all that as well. But the, the point right now is that it was clearly going to remain controversial up until the board meeting. And at some point, what I did is I just started telling members, look, uh, it's, you just have to tell the board how you feel. I, I really can't represent everybody's opinions on this. I, I've, I've, it's a point where I got confused, you know, really. And, um, and there were so many different opinions, but everybody had to have it their way or there's no way they were going to be able to survive. That's how it was presented, which isn't a good, good thing for anybody to think that way ever. You know, there's always ways to compromise, I believe. So I just started encouraging everybody to write letters to the board. As they came in, I just um, could see that that these letters were written in a way that would make the board members feel very defensive and would make uh, the people who who made some of the controversial decisions of the Nationals, um, uh, uh, would, it would make them uh, make an environment where they would be ready to, to really defend themselves and argue and debate. And we had anger on both sides, and that's just a bad, uh, that's bad mojo, you know, it's bad juju. So, uh, and also uh, because I'm still a fairly new president in for a year and so, and um, and some of the the um, I don't have the trust of everybody yet. I felt like going in that meeting, it would be hard to preside over the meeting and and uh, and give everybody a chance to debate. And I could become um, an important figure in the discussion instead of being someone who who helped the debate happen and come up with a fair decision. So because of that, I end up hiring a professional parliamentarian. That's that's a, the person whose job is to help boards um, run their meetings. And I paid that out of my own pocket and. Uh, uh, but it was, Oof. I thought, very, very successful. 
So like what it, they they control the not the agenda because the agenda is written out, but they control the tempo of the meeting, would you say? And well, if, so I'm, I preside over the meeting. It's my job to preside. And I already know how to do that. Actually, I feel very comfortable presiding over the meeting. So it was but the but the idea of having a parliamentarian there was first to give the board some training in the process. So we spent about an hour. I don't know, maybe an hour and a half with uh, Deborah as her name going through and explaining to the board how the parliamentary process works and to remind the board, or at least to, to promise the board, that the purpose of it is to make sure the minority had their, their rights and that they were all, and that everyone would have a, sh- a chance to speak and that uh, no one would be interrupted and that everyone would be able to uh, conduct the business uh, you know, openly. And that, and that at the end of it, the process could be concluded and everybody would realize they had a fair shake and we would go away feeling like we had accomplished something together, whether we agreed or disagreed on the specifics. That's the goal of a parliamentarian. And she did a really good job in, the, in her hour or whatever explaining it. And I think at the beginning of that training, probably a lot of the board members were like, man, we've got so much work to do. How do we, how do we sit through this when we have 16 hours of you know, meetings or, or 20 or whatever we normally do? But after the, that, that um, training, I thought it was very effective. And I really believe that we were able to get everything done. Short, I think the shortest fall meeting I've ever seen and the most cordial I've seen, I think it was because we had good training and everybody could see that, that we were that we, were, we had a process that would help us and take care of all of us together. And uh, we'd be able to settle our arguments that way. It worked really well. And just to, to gauge, because um, I, I don't know the answers about, well, I don't know if you know the exact number, but how many people um, are involved in the IAC board meeting, like sitting down at the table and, and discussing these things? Well, the boards have, should have 15 people. We've actually run with 14 because the board could not come to, to an agreement on who should fill the slot that I vacated last year. So we left it open, which I, which is actually not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just, it's like a jury, a hung jury, go back in there and go back in the jury room and deliberate some more. You don't let them uh, come out without a verdict, you know, but we just couldn't do it. So respecting that, we left that position open and it was time to fill it. So we now have 15, but uh, as of the, the board meeting on Friday, we had 14 board members and I think um, uh, 13 were, were, uh, were present. We also had That's some great. guests, which is which is a uh, you know tradition. It doesn't. It's not a requirement. We had uh, Mark. You would ask me if you could live stream the meeting, and I think it's a I think it's a neat idea because you'd get a chance. People get a chance to see how how professional and and how caring everyone is. But because of um, how things could happen, you know, after the fact and things can misconstrued, or let's say for example, a board member admitted to a crime in a board meeting, or or said something that was uh, you know could be taken out of context in a bad way. It turns out there's a lot of reasons. Those are just two examples of why you don't want to sure. record your meeting. So we weren't able to do that, unfortunately. But but guests were there. They were able to watch and, and uh, sometimes participate. Which which guests were there? Can you uh, can you mention uh, Craig them? Craig no? was there. Marianne Fox was there. Lynn Bowes was there. Lori Penner was there. All the guests will be recorded in the minutes. It should be Steve Kurtzon as executive director, not exactly a guest. Uh, Dave Isn't Watson Lori was Penner there. awesome? Yeah, she is. <laughs> she really yeah. is awesome. She did Every a phenomenal job. Her, yeah, phenomenal job on that live stream. Every, yeah, she did. Yeah. Every time I every time I call her, she'll, she'll go, "Hey, how's my favorite president doing?" Which I think is just so cute of her. So yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> she's always so happy. She's yeah. she's a. Uh, I think it's well, we all know her and love her, but for the most part, I think she's an unsung hero of the IAC. She's the mascot of the IAC. Yeah, she's like the yeah. she's like the goofy at the Disney World gates, you know, Epcot gates, welcoming you into. Yeah. The it's almost park, like yeah. I feel like she's my aunt, right? Don't you get like that, like cool aunt <laughs> vibe from her? Yeah, no. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 
Like she's the one that's showing <laughs> up with like con- confetti cake cupcakes with the vanilla frosting. Yeah, that's right. Ever. That does seem about right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forgot right, to pretty Mike, accurate. Uh, <laughs> let me also add that Mike Hewer. We have we allow presence emeritus in the built in the room. Mike Hewer was there, and Robert Armstrong, and I have to say, uh, uh, Robert and uh, Mike both contributed very heavily to the discussion. I really enjoyed having him there, and and also the night before we had the Hall of Fame induction of Kirby Chambliss and Vern Jobst, which were. Which was really special. Do you mind if we, we talk well. about Kirby That's a little bit awesome. and just t- yeah, yeah, let's take talk a break about that. from sure. Take a little breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kirby's awesome. So I'm sure you got to have like a sidebar with Kirby and, and talk with Kirby a little bit. Um, what are I know you don't you can't really speak for him, but is there anything you can elaborate on with conversations you had with him, with maybe him possibly being involved with the IAC to another level or coming back, you know, something like that? That that didn't come up. We did we did talk uh, a bit, and he's you know it was all about the award and how happy I was for him and his family. It's nice to meet his family and chat with them a little bit. Um, he was beaming. He was so excited, so proud as he should be. And uh, there's a lot of uh, affection for him from the ICers that were there. So it was just a nice moment to be there with him. I, I wouldn't say we. I mean, I didn't want to lean on him to do anything because it just wasn't the, yeah. the venue. But but I but I enjoy him, and I would love to see him be more involved. It'd be a great idea. That'd be neat if, um, you know, you, you talked about with the board meeting you know, that uh-huh. you, uh, everybody invites guests and this and that, and it would be fun, um, especially at nationals to have, um, whether you want to make the scores count or not, um, a guest judge. So like, you know, Kirby Jam, you know, and, and maybe we can do a, a crowd fund or something like that. I, I mean, I would, sure. I would put money up for that. To have like be a, cool. a Dave Dave Martin, Kirby Chambliss, or or Goulian be mm-hmm. a guest judge for the week, and that'd then you get really scores fun. whether they yeah that'd be a lot of cool that'd be cool yeah now David Martin joined the board he was appointed to a class four position by the board at the fall that is so awesome it, yeah it's, he's gonna that's be awesome yeah the same David Martin uh, Brightling cap yep that David, David Martin yeah oh legendary David Martin yeah flies the Baron at uh, Oshkosh yeah uh, yeah yeah. And it did, he's awesome. Is awesome. His, uh, his Booker Youngmeister show, but it was fantastic. I really oh, that. that would be really. Can you fun imagine if he flew his Booker, if he flew his Booker at uh, Nationals and Sportsman <laughs> yeah, or something? Should. That'd be fun. He should. He should. Oh yeah, well, God. that was what the legacy category was supposed to be all about, but it didn't work out. And I, I think we just get these people back. We'll just, I'll just keep twisting their arms about coming back and just having fun again. Yeah, yeah well, we can use. We, this, love- we can use this platform just to guilt them into it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love to see <laughs> some like kind of you know legend category or or even like an exhibition where it's you know put it in the middle of the country so people can travel or whatever but just get get the greats together and just it doesn't have to be i mean they would all take it very seriously because they're they're they are who they are <laughs> but uh yeah. you know yeah. it'd just be so fun to i mean to watch you know ghoulian flyer resty again uh you know kirby oh mark, my god mark should yeah. we break the news to jim jim would be the first person to know besides you and i about our idea for the contest, the winter contest. Let's tell them. And then I so want to get back into the, I want to get back into the trenches. Sure. All right. <laughs> let's get into the trenches. Then we'll take another breath. In 10 no, no, minutes. no, no. Tell yeah. them. Let's, <laughs> no, no. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. And then we'll get back into the trenches. So winter time, especially for, you know, cold weather states where you can't really fly aerobatics. Um, we want to have a winter contest, but it's, it, we want it to be virtual. And basically um, it's, going to be run through you know this podcast at fly cool stuff or shit whatever you call it and it's whom it's five dollars to enter um and we'll figure out what we're going to do with the money uh probably 
go to a um, a bar or something. I don't know, but um, or buy another WWF title belt. But basically, um, you have to videotape yourself flying the what you th- feel is the coolest rendition of the snow cone maneuver. Do you have you heard <laughs> of the snow cone? <laughs> I have. Don't say yeah, you, yeah, you have. Yeah, I have. We're so we want to do like. like so okay. it's not. We'll save it. You got to save it. So basically, Mark and I, and then we got to figure out a guest judge. Uh, maybe maybe it's Kirby Chambliss if he ever returns our phone calls. Um, <laughs> and, and basically, it's not so much like. Because like we don't we it's not fair for somebody to go with the like a an MX and do sure. all these rotations and that when somebody's with the decathlon and the airplane can only you know do so much. So basically, it's going to be on style. You know, you can put production value is going to go into account. You know, if you uh-huh. get dressed up in a costume, all these things. You know, uh-huh. and then music, this and that, and then the winner, whoever has the coolest we're not going to make all these judging categories and make it difficult it's just going to be a cool factor of one through ten i guess and um and then yeah the winner will be announced and we'll have a um i'm hoping it gets big enough where people when they show up to nationals instead of like seeing rob holland's tale of like 20 national victories you're going to get the guy that pulls up and say like a pits us to be and it's like yeah 2021 like, fcs winter champion <laughs> like like the, the title that you guys did for the nationals was, was wonderful that yeah, was really emerson nice. yeah yeah That's i'm looking forward idea. to doing that again if we're allowed to for because uh-huh. i i really appreciative of the i want to do more than us to do that because to let us in there and, and do that that was that was really cool i didn't expect it not to say that easy but you know, it's the IAC is a real organization and, and we're having fun with this. We try to take it seriously, but it was really, really cool of, of you guys to let us, you know, be involved in that way. Well, you know, I agree. When, you asked, when you asked at the very beginning of it, I don't, I don't know if you asked me first or somebody else, but I actually kind of was a little worried that it might not work out. I just didn't know, but I, I thought everybody was very happy about it. I didn't hear any grumblings about it or anything like that. And you do have to be careful when you're giving out an award you know, from somebody else, there's actually rules about awards and things like that in the IEC, but that yours, what you did yeah. wasn't a problem. Uh, I, did, I don't see it. I don't foresee it being a problem. So I yeah, just encourage you to just keep trying to be creative. Like you are, you're, you're going to do that either way, whether I tell you to or not, I guess, but, but it, it worked out yeah. great. Yeah. Well, I love back it. to it. Back to it. <laughs> All right. Into the traces. We, we, we jump. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it sounds like, you know, as far as board meetings go, and I'm sure, you know, the history of the IC, I'm sure there's been good and bad, right? Uh, drama filled and, and smooth sailing uh, board meetings, but it sounds like overall very professionally conducted meeting. Um, what was the, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the right word here, maybe the genesis of, of the meeting. I mean, as far as what was the core focus? Uh, what was your core focus? And maybe what was the core focus of, of, of the board members of, of what they wanted to accomplish? I mean, obviously you got to get through all, all the, 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 everything on the agenda, all the, the change proposal and all the other stuff. But, um, you know, was there a priority uh, on what you guys wanted to focus on and what you guys wanted to accomplish? You know, I don't really, I didn't really think of it that way. There's an agenda that we kind of have already established for every fall board meeting. It involves covering all the committee assignments and, you know, a post-nationals uh, review and the, the rule change proposals. And and um, I was just very focused on conducting, this is just a boring answer. But the real truth is, um, <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're president, you try not to be um, too partisan. There's going to be moments where you have to weigh in because you have to steer the, the ship somewhere. And it's, if it's a rudderless, it doesn't it doesn't help anybody. You know, you got to give, give, uh, uh, give people your opinion on things. 
But you have to be very sure. careful about that because a lot of these squabbles are what I would think of as partisan squabbles, and that's not something that I really need to be involved in. Though I, I, I do occasionally, um, you know, give my opinion on those things. For the most part, though, on the Friday, I don't think I ever, I don't know if I ever entered in debate at all, except when uh, there was like a, a point of information or something like that to, to share. And I didn't vote on anything, I think, except for one, the one motion that would be the most controversial. I did vote on that one because I had, was, uh, I needed to break the tie and I, I want to do that decisively. But uh, there was a controversial that, motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, ex- but except for that, my, my job really is just to, is very dryly officiate. And I tell the board members what is next to the agenda item. I open things up for a conversation. I ask for motions and we debate. And then I make sure everybody's had a chance to say what they have to say in the time they are allowed. Then we call for a vote. I help count the votes and declare who won the, you know, which what the motion was adopted or not. And I say, well, here's the next agenda item. That's pretty much how it goes. It's actually pretty sure. boring. If there's an amendment, like if somebody so, doesn't like a motion, wants to amend it, I help them with that. That's, that's what I do. I, I don't rally the troops to do a particular thing. Um, sure. And um, I try to stay neutral on all the issues, except some of the rule proposals I felt um, I, had, I had strong feelings about, and I helped with those, but that's not really the same category as you know some of the controversial things we talked about on Friday. Can you give us an idea yeah. on, 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 a, on a, a rule change proposal that maybe you, you were strongly for or strongly against and, and, and why? Just, yeah. just, just for fun? Just, yeah, sure. Well, well, I think I've, I'm not sure about this. I'm, I might be uh, fibbing a bit cause I can't remember exactly, but I think I proposed the, the remove the signature requirement one for like four years in a row or something. I, I kept proposing that and it got shot down, but this year it passed. I was very happy about that. Um, one of the ones that didn't pass that I really wanted to see, which would be controversial maybe is I, I really want to uh, make boundary judges optional, which a lot of people that I see, well, that's the traditions have boundaries, which I understand, but as sanctioning chair, I approved the request for sanctioning and, uh, we counted it's like 40% of them of the contests don't have boundaries anymore. So it's, it's simply not an efficient use of my time or anyone's time to have to request that in the sanction. We could just say it's, it, it's already optional. It's already effectively optional. Man, you, so you argument, and I are going to yeah. get along great in St. Augustine talking about boundaries. <laughs> well, you know, We're just, to, you and I on the beach having pina coladas <laughs> is being like these stupid boundaries. <laughs> All right. Let me give you the philosophy that I have about a lot of these things is that, um, and, and this is serious for just a minute, is that the, uh, the what, one of the things the IEC doesn't realize is the inconvenience of some of the things it does. And there's the streamlining things is helpful. And when you have, like, if you just think about, I'm going I'm to pick on a couple of things. People are going to drive them crazy, but that's okay. But the boundary judges logistically are really complicated. Uh, they require radios. They require um, people who understand arrest out in the corners. They take time to shuffle in and out. And, uh, and then if you look at the results and the scores, I did this analysis. It's maybe maybe 10% of the total rankings are adjusted by boundary penalties. Now you could say that's worth it. Okay. But it's not a lot of changes in the score because most of the time the gap between scores is so big, it's much bigger than one or two boundary penalties. It, so it's, it's just a lot of cost for not very much differentiation scores. And to me, it's not really justified. And I think that's why SIVA dropped it. Um, and I think we'll, we'll eventually we'll drop it. The U S too is there's other ways to use our time to better differentiate yeah. pilots. And on the signature requirement, the same sort of argument applies to me is, you have um, you have a complication of every time someone makes a program change, they're free. They have to find a judge, get the signatures, then get the copies made. And it's a lot easier if they could just say, "Here's my well, form," you know, and here. Let me tell you, go. I was a vic- I was a victim of a of a freestyle violation because uh-huh. I tried to do it the right way. I made my free, and went and and the person did it. I loved it that, so I'm not even that upset. I'm not upset at all, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but they signed it off. I went to the competition, and it was wrong. And I yeah. lost points. And if I would have done it myself, you know, yeah. quite possibly, 
Um, that wouldn't have happened or, you know, would have been my fault. So the guy felt bad and I was like, it's not a big deal Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm easy going, but like, you know, like everybody got a little upset about, Oh, well, you need a judge to sign it off to be safe. It's like, well, here I am. I was an intermediate at the time, I believe. And I went to a judge and the system, the system's flawed on either way. Like there's no yeah. writer. That, that- yeah, at Nationals this year, about half the advanced uh, free programs were invalid because they had uh, used Open Arrow to uh, to to uh, uh, check them off, and Open Arrow had a bug. It was missing one of the one of the changes that was made. That change was made inadvertently during the refactoring process. I did. I'm actually responsible for the mistake. But regardless, the uh, the jury the jury didn't uphold those penalties. They they waived them. But the point is that if uh, as a as a human being judge, I checked uh, Matt Dunphy's form, and uh, we noticed that. But the people who used Open Arrow did not. And I still think Open Arrow is the better way to go because we get the bug fixed in there. It's fixed for everybody forever. That's better. But the point is that, that people who were checking the forms were just using Open Arrow anyway and just pencil whipping it. So that proves to me there's not really a good reason to have them sign the forms. It's just an extra step we don't need to take. And uh, yeah, we, I like we it. Instead, we should instead focus our efforts on making sure Open Arrow is correct. And if we do that, we'll get that uh, those kinds of things fixed for everybody. So that's that's the hope anyway. Yeah, yeah was I, was, a, I had interesting no idea about that rule, and I was yeah, there was, a, there was a, um, an objection uh, over the years. I've heard that that one of the things people do with that signature is they check the sequence to make sure that it's safe. But the, the problem with that argument is that we don't actually train judges on how to know if a program's safe, and that would be a pretty uneven, uh, you know, pretty uneven set of skills that go into that. I don't think it's a, a good argument. I, I don't think no. And the idea is that it's legal, right? Yeah, that's really the law. only emphasis is legal. That's right. That's all they have to do is check if it's legal. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so we agree on that. Anyway, but, but that goes back to the, you talk about rule proposals and we can talk about more of those later because some of the past I think were very good and I didn't get my way in all of them, but you never do. But I, I thought that those two kind of, over the kind of give you the perspective that I have, which is that we can make this sport a lot more convenient for people and we'll get more people because it's just not the hassle that it used to be. And people aren't used to shuffling papers around anymore. They want to have everything done electronically. Those kinds of things matter to them. Yeah. It makes sense. So, Obviously, one of the major topics um, where I, I feel, you know, I hate saying it like this, but, you know, we have we have people on one side wanting something and people on the other side wanting something different is the disqualification that was issued to um, AJ, um, mm-hmm. an unlimited competitor. So when I, you know, and Mark, correct if I'm wrong, but, you know, I feel like you and I feel the same way on this and I'll say it, you know, I heard about what happened and. Basically, I don't want to say the gist of it, but from what I understand, AJ flew in unlimited sequence. Um, chief judge said, thank you or whatever. Um, AJ exited the box. He mm-hmm. then did something that um, wasn't part of the brief. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to get too factual. If you won't really want the facts, go on IC.org, um, just because I don't want to say anything on the line here. But basically, there was a miscommunication with the tower and a miscommunication or... AJ um, didn't do what was briefed. Anyway, uh-huh. yeah, um, he got de- he got DQ'd for his flight for something that didn't happen in the aerobatic box. And although I totally agree, AJ was wrong and should have been should have you know exited. He screwed the up the proper way. He yeah. screwed up, but it had yeah. nothing to do yeah. with his his unlimited flight. And agreed, uh-huh. he got his flight zeroed. Um, so how does I don't? I'm trying to just word this because I don't, I don't want to your answer to, to be biased here. Um, how does one get 
a flight zeroed for something that does nothing to do with their flight that has been ended. The scores were finalized. The chief judge signed it off, which I don't even know. How does that even work, Jim? If a chief judge signs a score sheet, how does it even get reversed at that point? You know? Well, the jury, yeah, that, that, that's a good question. The jury um, has uh, the ability to disqualify competitors. There's a section on that, and they're supposed to do that with the consult of the other contest officials. And there's a list of reasons they can disqualify competitors. And one of those is reckless flying, and um, which is also violating the traffic pattern is in there. And the, the jury's decision was that AJ violated the traffic pattern, and that uh, that resulted in disqualification. And uh, so I let think me give actually, you. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I just want to cut you off there no, for two no. seconds. And and I know our favorite listener right now is really pissed at me again because I cut people okay. off sometimes. <laughs> um, I just wanted because with my question, I wanted to give you a hypothetical. Imagine this. Imagine you show up. You personally, Jim Burke, shows up to the next World Aerobatics Championships and. Obviously, everybody knows the team to beat is the French um, at this point. And, you know, you show up there and then you're looking around and you're like, where, where is Louis Vanel, the one, you know, the reigning champion? And then, you know, uh, Patrick Paris comes over, who's the, the head coach. And you're like, Patrick, where's Louis Vanel? And Patrick mm-hmm. goes, oh, moron. The idiot flew perfect sequence, but he flew a bad pattern. So we haven't, we no longer have him on French <laughs> aerobatic team. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's in, what, in essence, yeah, what's going yeah. on right now. <laughs> like, how ridiculous yeah. is this? Well, that's, that's what the controversy <laughs> became is, uh, there were, there was, um, you know, there were a number of competitors who felt that way at the, at the nationals and Jeff Bourbon, uh, actually gave his third place flight clinky to AJ at the, the banquet, which was, uh, which resulted in a standing ovation, but not from everybody. There were people in the audience who felt differently about that. So we have to respect that people have different ideas. And I think that the, the, um, there's a lot of principles. Okay. Sometimes people look at this stuff as one side's principled, one side's not principled, but that's not true. There's uh, the reality is there's principles that work for everybody. And uh, the principle that, um, that the, uh, the, the jury's decision should be respected is an important principle. And the jury that we should uh, base our scores and our results on what happened in the air is also respectful. Those are both respectful opinions. But in that case, Jeff felt strongly that AJ had outflown him. And I, I'm not sure that he was making um, a declaration about the jury uh, and maybe he was, it's up to him to say, but, uh, I was sitting next to him at the banquet actually. And I didn't know he was going to do that. I was literally right next to him and he went up to get his, his uh, clinky and, uh, that happened. He sat back down and go, so what, you know, what's going on? What are you, what are you doing that for? And he just said he was outflown, which is not a bad, ex- you know, reason. I, he outflew me. I don't want the clinky. Okay. That's a good reason. Um, uh, but obviously the, the, um, there were, so there's, there was probably a split, but, um, the more vocal people at the, at the nationals, we're siding with the idea that AJ should have gotten that flight, uh, should not have been DQ'd, and the petition was formed. And I don't know how many signatures there were, but I would just guess at least 50 signatures or so, which was handed into me at the end. And, and uh, I encourage people instead to give it to Doug Bartlett, who's a contest director. And I guess copies went to Doug Bartlett and uh, and uh, the jury chair, Debbie Van Harvey. So that's that. And I didn't expect anything to happen with that, by the way. I mean, I just don't expect that to do anything because that's just not how these things work. We don't. We don't, the, the jury is not everybody at the contest. The jury is the jury. Yeah. So I, I didn't expect that to go anywhere. Um, but um, the, what made that one, con- so there, there were these two issues that were DQs. We're talking about AJ's first, which is fine. But what made the situation confusing for me personally was that the jury then decided to give AJ his points back for the purpose of team selection. And that really muddied the waters to me of what the jury, how the jury felt about its own decision. Because, you know, it, it ended up with AJ. Yeah, second guess their own decision. Yeah, it ended up with AJ having two sets of scores, which as the president, I didn't feel I could recognize. Uh, the, the only scores that really counted are the ones in the contest standings. And 
I did make that uh, point to uh, to the contest director at the time, but you know things were happening kind of fast by then. And I felt like, well, they're trying to find a solution that would work for everybody, and I respect that. I totally do. So I, I just let that go. It was um, so. Their, their so solution like, I just want to catch up because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a little lost. So AJ flew. He got yeah. disqualified. Yeah. And the clinkies were given out. The jury convened on their own at that point after all the flights were done. Yeah. Said, no, you can have your points so you can be on the team. And right. then you said, well, you already did what you had to do. Let's wait till the fall board meeting and hash this out the right way. Well, of course, uh, AJ, yeah, of course, AJ was uh, kind of, beside himself yeah. when, yeah, that, that, I'll just tell you, fill in a little more gaps. AJ was beside himself when he was uh, disqualified and they disqualified him in just the first flight. Um, and uh, there was some confusion for him of whether he was going to be disqualified for the entire contest. They didn't do that to him. So he was able to continue and uh, everyone on the unlimited team encouraged him to continue. Of course, we all want everybody to fly. And, uh, and, and then we felt like if you fly, you know, maybe, maybe the jury will change their mind or something. And, they, they, they sort of did with that ruling, right? They sort of said, okay, you finish your flights and you can, you can, uh, you can uh, be on the team. But the problem, there's a couple of problems with that. One of them is AJ could have easily decided to go home. We would have lost him not having any scores to back up his ability to fly. And the other one is that by giving him two sets of scores, like I said, it, it really made it unclear on, um, well, first of all, the, <laughs> the jury was actually weighing it at that point on, on matters of the, the policy documents, which are the boards. They're not really the jury's decision anymore because Team selection not, is not something that's really up to the jury. And uh, secondly, it's just kind of a confusing situation. So it was no longer clear exactly right. what the jury, whether the jury felt he deserved the penalty or not. And fundamentally, yeah. it's, if you're going to give somebody a penalty, you really have to be really clear on, on what your intent is. Now, now, having said that, there's probably somebody listening to this who's thinking that they were probably very clear. Um, and it's not just not clear to me. You know, Maybe it was clear what their intent was to them. But it was something I weighed when we debated this as the board. Yeah. And... And it was pretty split down the middle um, on this topic. Yeah, the, well, the, the way it came up at the board meeting, of course, everyone knew it would come up in some way. But Michael Goulian uh, wrote up a resolution to present to the board, and 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 it also gave a little bit of a talk on how this um, how this looked from an outsider's perspective, and not the people in the boardroom, and not the people that ran the nationals, but how it looked not just on social media, but to its contacts of the EAA. That can uh, I ask you why this wasn't yeah. more public? Which, that, which this part? element? M- Mike's basically Mike's response to this. Well, how would it be public? We don't, the board doesn't usually air its dirty laundry and uh, Mike had just made the motion on Friday and the minutes aren't out yet. So there's not really, hasn't really, this is public. Oh, this now. was just, okay. He only made it Friday. I, I got yeah. you. Okay. I thought yeah, this might've might been a little bit earlier just cause it was, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to um, see his involvement um, on either, whether I, I, this happens to be for uh, I'm in agreement with <laughs> I'm on his side, yeah, so he, obviously it's. I agree with it, but like you know, it's it's yeah. just nice to kind of see this level of involvement from somebody like Michael Gulling, who's at the top and um, you know uh, is representing the ISC for EAA and um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I to, to be involved in, in, in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I found him very yeah. persuasive because he came in as someone who's obviously a luminary and also doesn't really have any. Um, uh, he doesn't know any of the people that are involved. Nobody call there him, for him, right? Did anybody and, call uh, him the Don? <laughs> no, and, and as oh, far come as I can on. Tell, yes, they did. Don't lie to yeah, me. No, well, uh, maybe, uh, maybe in our minds we did, you know. Uh, <laughs> we should have gave him but, a pinky uh, ring to wear. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he also didn't strike me as having any particular axe to grind about anyone who was involved in the decision. He d- wasn't trying to shame anybody, and I don't want to either. This is the, Being on the jury is hard. Running a contest is hard, and these people did a good job. But at the end of the day, you know, we looked – what Michael was worried about is – 
that this is not really a precedent that's been set before in the IEC in the nationals. We haven't done this before. And the, and the, and and the fact that they did this a couple of times just looked like this was, you know, potentially how the IEC, or at least these people in the IEC felt like we should be doing things. And he wanted to make it clear that that's not going to work, that it's going to cause problems for us. And uh, he just urged us to revisit it and make a decision that, um, that we would not, that as a matter of policy, that the board would not support the idea of disqualifying competitors. This was a, a really strongly compelling reason to do so. And, and that led to this motion to take the DQs away, as well as gave a lot of credibility to the argument about changing the policies, which we did as well. We changed the disqualification policy so the jury has more, has, it's more clear they have leeway where they have leeway. So I think that's good yeah. for everybody. Can I, now, what can would I you, highlight oh. this element? Oh, oh, uh, Jeff, I just want to highlight this real quick because mm-hmm. there's some, there's some confusion on this, that, what you just said there, Jim, um, mm-hmm. people are, are, are taking the side that, um, and I, and this actually had this question to ask you up until about an hour ago, uh, before I read that the, uh, board had actually changed this rule, that this was a rule mm-hmm. change. But, uh, basically the argument on the other side of the coin is that, um, you know, the the previous rules was that that the board cannot overturn a jury decision and in the optics uh for, for many people uh it, it looks like the pa- the the board did in fact overturn a jury panel decision um which is very clear in the in the in the IAC rules that you cannot do um well i don't really is, agree with, i already don't agree with that but go ahead keep going well, no, then that's but that's basically the essence of it. Um, uh, yeah. Well, the rule I didn't agree okay. with it either, but uh, yeah, it seems like th- that rule has changed anyway, and that well, this is that's, maybe that's a r- not the rule I'm talking about. The rule I'm talking about is okay. the rule on disqualification. Let's let's just let's just um, let's start there. The rule on disqualification okay. formally said that the jury will dis- you know, shall disqualify in these certain instances. Now it says that the jury shall either warn or assign a, a specific jury penalty and amount of points to, or shall disqualify. For the following infraction, so the jury now officially has the ability to, to not disqualify people, and and we and every and the thing about that is, the jurors I spoke to um, expressed um, that, that it was a difficult decision because they didn't think that in you know, they didn't they didn't want to disqualify these pilots, and right there we felt their hands like were tied. They felt like their hands were tied. Now, I actually in Britt's case, I didn't actually agree their hands were tied. That's a, that might be a nuance. We can talk about why. In AJ's case, it was pretty clearly. Uh, I felt yeah. like it was a traffic pattern violation and the, the, the rules are pretty clear, but it was pretty clear that nobody wanted that, that penalty to stick. Even the jury had said, let's not let it stick for team selection. So it, and I know, I know there's, I know everybody's different opinions. And I'm probably somebody out there is going, that's not what we wanted. But if, from my perspective, um, the, the, um, the penalty was, it was not clearly what the jury really wanted to apply in a couple of different ways. So the, the board made the change to the rules. Now, the other rule you're talking about is that the jury, the jury's decisions cannot themselves be protested. That's absolutely true. However, earlier this year, but, that, that, but first of all, that's not the board's concern. I mean, it's not the board's concern. I mean, the overall integrity of the contest is the board's concern, which includes upholding yes. the rule of the jury and everything else. But the, the board is, is not obligated to sit by if the jury does something that's outside the best interest of the IC. That doesn't make any sense. The board is responsible yeah. for everything that happens in the IC, and that includes the standings. And in fact, some of the board members who voted one way on this issue voted another way on an issue earlier this year where we zeroed the scores as competitors at a contest. And um, and they did that because they felt that the competitors had not acted ethically. So while you might not think of that as the same issue, in the terms of whether the board can modify the, the standings, it's been done before by the board just this year. I, I, I don't think in this case it's the same, but, it's, but I also think that people need to be careful because 
the board's feeling was not that they were adding points to someone's score. The board's feeling they were removing a disqualification that, that they felt the, was not was not acceptable to the board. And that's really the board's prerogative. It truly is. And we should yeah. all respect the board has the authority to do that because they simply do. It's the bylaws, the articles of incorporation, the statutes. That's what guides, that's what controls the board, not the rule book. Uh, the rule book is, um, is under the board. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when, it, when, it, when it, it, and I'm not saying that the integrity of the jury is, is in question, but the, the rules of engagement in which they are allowed to issue uh, a punishment or a deduction uh, they're 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 so bound by you know what they can and can't do or there's a situation where maybe um that that jury uh issued a ruling improperly there has to be some governing guidance or governing uh above that to where you can see that and say okay you know what this uh the the jury did not act uh in accordance with therefore we are able to reverse that decision that's that's well, kind of how I saw this situation. I mean, clearly, we could imagine if we, you know the reduction ab- absurdum. We could imagine scenarios where the, the board would not allow the jury to do things like, let's say, if you wear a blue shirt, you're going to be disqualified. Well, obviously, the board would say no. That's a, that's not a valid way to disqualify people, and the board would probably overrule that. Now, it just happens. In my in my looking at this, this is um, this is a, a bad precedent for the board. Okay, it's not a good thing for the board to do. I, I agree with those arguments, but. This is not a common thing that's happened either. We haven't actually had this event where the, the board looked at disqualifications and felt that they had to be reversed because there just haven't been that many. I, I don't yeah. remember one. Uh, the, you know, we can talk about a couple that have happened that I'm aware of, but it's it's but it's the circumstances are just you know a little little different. And uh, yeah, and the, and the the board's the board has has the obligation to look out for the best interest of the IC. The board also another thing to think about is. As a sanction chair, you know, my job is to make sure the contests run according to the rules and I can refuse a sanction of a contest if they won't do that. But with the nationals, I really couldn't do that. That's not a that's not an option. So the board has to have the ability to um, to govern um, how the IEC conducts its nationals. And this is an example of that in the board's opinion. Now, these are arguments, by the way, that every board member is familiar with and everybody at the meeting had all the time they needed to bring these kinds of arguments up. So, you know, they are considered in the decision and, the, and everybody it weighs heavily on them. I can assure you to make a decision like this. It's not an easy thing to do. Not easy. No, but it is what the majority felt was the best thing for the IC at that moment. So what was the, this, what, what was the biggest, uh, like maybe, um, defense in, in not changing or the most common defense in, in not changing and, or not overturning these decisions. Was there well, a commonality frankly, between that side? Frankly, the discussion was more about Brit than AJ, which I, which AJ hardly came up, and I, and I found that um, uh, from a from a uh, standpoint of principle or logic, I found that um, uh, inconsistent. Um, and I and I, I like AJ. That's I interesting. As much as anybody else, but but AJ's um, disqualification is sort of directly sourced from the rule book, and yet it seemed like everybody was on board with the idea of, of finding a way to put AJ on the team. And like I mentioned, that we had the, the the jury decision to give him points back for the team selection. So it seemed like there was no real objection to that one. We didn't hear really any, any objection to AJ being on the team. Some some might be forming now that people are adjusting to the, you know, to what happened. Yeah. But at that time, yeah. the, and, and in fact, frankly, when I when it came time to cast a tie vote, the fact that these two issues were joined together, and that I, I allowed the debate to continue, I didn't uh, interrupt anybody, I didn't chime in, but uh, no one made the motion to amend the resolution to separate the two and and consider Brit separately from AJ. So the decision was: Do we disqual? Do we take away the disqualifications for both, or do we take away the disqualifications from one of them? It's possible the board would have had 
different decisions if it had uh, split these two, but the board chose not to do that. And we voted on them together. And, and uh, that's, that's how the business was done. Do you find that interesting that they weren't voted to be separated on? Well, Mike, Mike's, Mike Gullian's, um resolution put them together. So I think it was okay. probably, probably just because of that. Mike saw them as the same thing. But, just um, keep them together. But the point is the board could have said, no, I, I object to that one being treated the same as this one. The board could have said, I, I, you know, I don't think this is, a, this is orderly because the board shouldn't be overruling the jury. You know, those kind of arguments can be made. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, they're, but they're subject to majority rule. I mean, that's the way it is. It's a board meeting. You, you don't. You, the, the, it, my question to me as a president was, is this motion lawful? Is it orderly? Yeah, it is. You know, we have standing. We, we have the authority to do this. Um, did Mike present something that that's, um, you know, can be um, debated? Yeah, he did. Did we have debate? Yeah. Did we vote? Yeah. That's to me as a president that really settles that part. The process worked. That, yeah. It doesn't mean that people can't disagree and be angry and feel like we shouldn't do that kind of thing. That's part of the process too. I mean, I, the, there's board members who feel that way, but what we end up yeah. with is so, majority rules. Were those board members yep. angry because the rule stated that they were allowed to disqualify and now they felt like they were undermined that um, or overturned uh, by the board, and uh, you know, in that way, is that is that where a lot of the uh, discouragement kind of came from? I think you'd have to ask the people who feel discouraged. I didn't notice a single bit of discouragement or anger in the boardroom the entire weekend. It was a remarkably peaceful, cohesive yeah. board meeting. And I just uh, have a, did a, a question with the with business. the event. Yeah, with the event. I, if we can kind of take a time machine back and, you know, AJ did, you know, what was uh, DQ'd instead of DQing as a jury, is there anything else besides a DQ that they could have done? Maybe brought him into a room and, and each gave him a slap in the face or, or is there something besides yeah. a DQ that they could have done? I can tell you that um, the, uh, it's, it's, it's according to the rules, not really. I mean, honestly, according to the rules, when you have um, a violation of traffic pattern, the rule says that the competitor shall be disqualified. But um, it's not a rule that I've ever seen followed before. We actually had another competitor land the wrong direction on the runway who wasn't disqualified. And I've seen it every, at every national I've been to, mistakes in the traffic pattern, mistakes of different kinds. They've never resulted in a DQ. So I think that the argument that people are making was not really that it, it's kind of like if you go 77 and a 75, right? And you can say, uh, you know, you get a slap on the wrist, you get a million dollar fine. And it just didn't have the, the feeling like that's, that's proportionate. But I think we all respected the jury was in a tough spot with that. And nobody in the boardroom cast any aspersions on their decision. It just simply was felt yeah. that it wasn't really the, the, what the IC needs to do in that situation. And frankly, the weird part situation easier probably also was that none of the unlimited competitors had any concerns. There was no one who said that, that AJ's score should stay the same. None of us wanted him to be at the bottom of the list, we wanted to be where he does, where we felt he deserved to be. So everyone in the unlimited side was unified, and then the intermediate side was a little bit more difficult because there was controversy from people who felt like, like the like they didn't want to have this, the, the ranking suggested. But with AJ, that wasn't present. That might have been why it was a little easier for the board to accept that one. I gotcha. Yeah, and I, the interesting thing about AJ's case is that if if the tower hadn't gotten involved, this would have been a non-issue. And so it's, it's a weird line to draw to where, you know, the, the people that make the argument that that was unsafe or reckless, well, okay. But if it it occurred without the tower getting involved and saying, Hey, you guys do something or we will. Yeah. That's a weird, we that changed the the level of safety. I'm not sure. I I don't believe that was ever said. I don't think anyone 
So I think that that was a rumor that was developed, but I don't think that that's okay. actually what happened. I, I asked Bruce Ballou, who was the person that worked with the tower. And, um, I'm pretty sure he, he wrote a report and I have to go look at it again, refresh my memory, but I'm pretty sure he indicated that isn't actually what the tower said. They, 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 you know, this kind of stuff happens at tower airports all the time. And, uh, people just generally don't get violated. It's really a non-issue. Um, no. it's, a, it's a mistake. It's a boo-boo. It's an ouch. Gotcha. And uh, frankly, you get an over to call and you, you talk about yeah, it and you move on. Yeah. And frankly, if, um, if the IEC can only conduct its operations at the Salina airport, if everyone does it perfectly, we simply can't be there. It's not going to be a standard that we can, that we can, and that's again, part of what the jury or the board was thinking about was, is this standard going to work for us uh, going forward? And the answer was, no, it's just not the standard we want in the majority. Yeah. Yeah. It creates the culture that if you make any mistake, it's dire. Yeah. yeah Goody Thomas. Uh, and I don't think he, I don't know if he agrees with the decision. So I'm not calling his name up to bring the, to say that he does. But uh, when I talked to him at the, at the nationals, you know, one, one of the things we talked about was how even, even the airlines, even the FAA, the culture is not, you screwed up and you're out of here. The culture is oh, yeah. um, you screwed up because, because, you, because th there's a downside to that. It's a, it's an unsafe, it's a, it's a downside from a safety standpoint. The downside is people stop telling you about the things they did wrong. They're not, they're no longer, Correct. They're no longer be, it'll be honest. And the downside is you don't have a culture that, that teaches people and mentors people to become more safe. So the, the argument from safety can cut both ways because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a harsh, just a harsh standard to enforce. And there that's are, what I'm kind of scared of. of. Are, there's a lot is... of rules that are broken at these contests that, and, and I think it was just, um, um, that's, I think part of why the board, some of the board members reacted and some of the members reacted is, wait a minute, uh, these are, this is a really harsh penalty that we've never seen before. Is that what we're going to be? Are we going to go that way? And am I going to get disqualified next time I make a mistake? Yeah. Is that the environment we yeah. want to create? And that's where, I, that's the trajectory where, you know, until this board meeting, I thought we were going and, you know, you don't want, you don't want to create a, you know, a device type of uh, community here and have everybody scrutinizing every little thing. And you're just going to make everybody take their toys and go home. And yeah, the, and of course, yeah. on the opposite side, you don't want people to be running around doing things that are crazy and reflecting badly on the on the yeah. you know, image of the for the Nobody's going to go to Southeast Thero. Nobody's going to go to Jim Burke's Southeast Thero and buy <laughs> yeah. airplanes. This is, but, but this no, is to, crazy to throw, talk. To, but seriously, throw a ball <laughs> to, the, to the people who disagreed with me on this decision. We can't have a culture that that uh, that isn't safe, and it's it is a balance. You have to have you have to enforce the rules. The rules are there for very very good reasons. People point out those are, that's true, and we have to enforce them. But um, in these two cases, the board felt that it was um, it was too much, and the board felt it wasn't necessary, and that's just a judgment call the board was able to make. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about Britt's decision a little bit? Because obviously yeah. these were tied. So at face value, um, at, at face value, uh, both all all is cleared, all is righted. Um, and you said there was a little bit more debate or uh, and or controversy over Britt's decision. Was there was there more of a of an argument? for her um, potential unsafe or, you know, the, the, the zero figure unsafe uh, exit of a maneuver or, or whatever was added onto that um, uh, reckless maneuver um, versus the prop issue. Uh, was there, was there more of an issue? Was there a nuance to try to split those or anything like that? Well, there's never really, the, the debate was pretty simple and pretty straightforward. And uh, I think that what made that tricky is you had three board members involved. You have, you had um, the, the person who filed the protest. Of course, it's Justin. You guys know. And you had uh, Britt, who's the you know the person being accused. And you had uh, Debbie, who's the judge, the jury chair, and all three of our board members. So we had in a, in our boardroom, we essentially had the plaintiff, the defendant, and the judge sitting in the boardroom debating. 
which is an advantage in a lot of ways, and it's a disadvantage in others. It's very unique. Points. Yeah, it's it's not as a situation. It's not likely to happen again for sure. Um, but um, you know, if you go back to what happened, um, you know, uh, I I felt like I've, I've seen, as I mentioned, I've seen I, I've seen a lot of uh, things happen at IC contests. People have looked the other way, and too much, in fact, sometimes. But um, the standard of uh, to disqualify somebody is recklessness. And um, when I looked at, with the, ironically, when I looked at the um, the picture that was presented as evidence in the jury uh, meeting, uh, I, I saw it as being really, um, I saw it as exonerating her, not condemning her, because there was no one else around. And to me, fundamentally, you know, she did, she, according to everybody I talked to, 100% of the people I talked to who saw it, she didn't run across the, the dead prop line with her engine running. She had cut it and coasted across, which is still a violation of briefing, by the way. But um, it's from her perspective, from her statement, it was a misunderstanding that she thought she could coast across it, and um, and there was no one else around. And the fact there's nobody around means to me that we could probably say, you know, don't do that again. Uh, the jury had the option to to decide that it wasn't reckless; it was just negligent or was you know just a mistake. But they decided it was reckless. That standard was a little, I thought, a little too harsh, and a lot you know the majority of board members agreed. And then Britt also pointed out that um, that. Uh, one of her competitors was actually the, in the jury on the jury and and uh, was present for at least her portion of the, the meeting and and then um, the, you know obviously that person well, not obviously but I understand that person did not actually vote on the issue but the, the the fact that that was part of the story and had gotten out to people that she was uh, in a jury meeting of this situation which was already a controversial call and uh, the, and one of the the her competitors and fellow competitors who scored very close to her in the, in the rankings was in the jury meeting. That was made it very hard to uh, to support what the jury had done with it, and that doesn't mean I think that person did it acting ethically or anyone acted ethically. It's a mistake. It's just a mistake, but it's sort of akin to the mistake Brit made. And in my view, they were, they sort of cancel each other out. You're, she shouldn't have crossed the dead prop line. That's a mistake. Uh, DQing her was awful harsh, but then you added a couple of things that make it kind of um, feels like it's maybe not. Um, you know, did she get a fair shake or didn't? We couldn't. We couldn't affirmatively say she got a fair shake that made it a little tough to support. And like I said, they were both wrapped up together. So we just had the one decision to make. But as far as the, the deliberations went, the arguing, you know, it was, um, it, we had all three of those people in the, in the boardroom and they all had a chance to make their points. And we had plenty of um, statements from different people who saw it. Um, we had um, uh, eyewitness accounts, people who saw it. And, and the board just has to, it's not a common situation, but once it's presented, it's a legal motion and we're going to debate it. The board just goes back and redoes the work of the jury like an appellate court. And they did that and came away in the majority feeling that, uh, that the DQ wasn't justified. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice answer. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to process it. You know, honestly, it sounds like, you know, our, it, it's, it's not an ideal situation all around. You, you don't want to have this conversation if you can avoid it. Obviously you want it to run smooth and want everybody to be, uh, you want it to be copacetic and, and, and harmonious, but it, it sounds like at least, this part of the process um, was, uh, you know, kind of makes you impressed and 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 happy to have this this process and be able to utilize this process and and yeah. come to a resolution. Oh, I hope so. We did try our best. I, I know that we didn't make everybody happy. There's a, a change of the standings. Uh, Britt did, which is which is hard, was hard for the board to contemplate that we were actually changing the standings. Britt did offer a motion yeah. to have a to have a, a different penalty applied to her, so she would. Uh, not be quite so high up in the rankings, which I thought was generous, but that motion uh, was not adopted. So the end result is that she's in third place. 
And the, and that part the, really bugged me. That that, that mm-hmm. really bugged me. I think of of overall everything that I've heard as a as I'm just a fly on the wall that and and get tidbits from from people that are willing to share things. But I thought that was that was kind of a bummer. You know, I thought that was big of Brit, and um, that would have been nice uh, to not bump Craig. Yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough deal. There's not there's people that are there are people unhappy before. There's people unhappy now, and the, the board's being asked to revisit the decision, which is the board's option and. We may end up doing that. So all this information I'm giving you is as I have it you know, right now. Sure. The, the board so, can, it can reverse itself as well. And sure. what does the board need to to be able to reverse itself like that? Well, you'd call it what you do is um, you you would have um, some. The first thing is when you have a meeting, we don't have board meetings to complain, right? That doesn't. That's not how it works. You have board meetings for business, right? Always trying to remind people that that uh, the complaints are useful. We want to know how you feel, but you have to find a way to turn it into business and. Gulian did a frankly a, a very very good job of that an unusually good job. We haven't had a lot of that kind of activity. He came to us whether you liked it or not. You know, he came to us with a, a couple printed piece of paper with his arguments on it, and he asked for us to read the resolution into the record and to to make a motion to adopt it. And that's what we need now is we need somebody to make a resolution. It, it, the, now you and I think the the goal right now is just to have the board rescind which is a reasonable thing. Rescinding means we get together and decide whether we really like the idea. So, you know, if we want to reverse ourselves, but in order to call a meeting, you need a majority to call the meeting, unless I, I just decide to call it. In this case, I'm not going to do that because it's a waste of time. If we can't get a majority to call the meeting, we can't get a majority to overrule it. And therefore, I'm just going to let that process play out. We'll see if a majority supports the idea. So of in, in essence, just for our listeners, so, so they know what we're talking about here, the, the um, people from the jury that mm-hmm. issued the DQ are yeah. looking for a majority to, um, in AJ specifically, uh, to re-implement the DQ to AJ and not allow him to be on the U.S. team. Well, I don't know if that's what they wanted. I actually asked that question is because, because like I said, that, that was one of the things that honestly made it hard for me to figure out what the jury's intent was. And, and we didn't, we, we, cause, because it was clear they wanted him on the team. And now if you take the DQ, if you put the DQ back on, he's not in the team. So I just asked them, do you want to, is it just to rescind or do you want another motion that would then take his scores and, and give him back for the team selection? Because that's, that's really, I think the, that's what made it to me uh, too complicated to understand what the intent was. Right. So if they could clarify that, we could, might, we might win and, and, uh, and come up with a different outcome. And I would suppose mm-hmm. that probably the jury feels rebuffed, which is not what the board was trying to do at all, but I can only imagine they feel, like they might, they might feel a little defensive about what the board did. They might want to explain themselves. I think that's a reasonable thing to do, but it still needs to be done in the context of a, of a uh, motion. And, uh, and frankly, the board, um, the board, I don't know how the board feels, but the board might feel like, no, we, we had, we, we opened that case. We heard all the arguments that we want to hear and, and we're done. And if that's the case, you know, either way, the board is, can, it can do what it wants to do. And I'm just there to officiate that. So we'll see what the board wants. We're still finding out. It's just, this, all this stuff has happened the last couple of days. It's developing. Yeah. yeah. Developing story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. about your MXS and get really depressed here. Have you gotten it yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, before we wrap all that up, before we wrap all that up, I mean, you guys have already said this a couple of times, but I, I really want all the members to know that, uh, that the board, uh, they, I'm going to say it again. They, uh, they got together, they debated. It was, uh, it was a very, very cordial environment, but that doesn't mean that, that, all the information wasn't given out. Doesn't mean people didn't have a chance to argue. Doesn't mean they didn't argue. We had the arguments, but it was a, to me a very productive meeting, and I, I just hope that doesn't get lost in all the controversy 
uh, the board did its very yeah. best to, to do the right thing here, whether you like it or not. They really tried. Uh, and I hope they get credit, just like the jury deserves credit for making hard decisions and everybody gets credit for volunteering their time. This is hard work that people do and they do it because they love the sport. We're all in that together. And uh, no matter yep. how this all shakes out in the end, we should be able to move on from these decisions at some point and respect that the board did its very best. Yeah. And and how great Could is you- it to have Goulian's name and, and his, pre- <laughs> and his yeah. presence? But like, seriously, like it's so... Um, what's the right motivating for a person like me? And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like me that have looked up to Mike and, and try to, you know, embody what they do as far as flying and his style and everything. And and to see him involved in the IAC really kind of, you know, um, makes the flame bigger on my end to, to want to keep competing and stuff. Um, so yeah, big shout out to the Don. Um, I'm really happy he's back and it's really refreshing and, and exciting. I know there's some people that, you know, I know he he came in and weighed in on everything, and and I don't know if you they were kind of saying not to me, but I've heard, you know, he's not an active member. Why is he weighing in on this stuff? And it's like, you know, the Don, in my opinion, has inspired so many people within the IAC, and, and oh yeah, had a major presence that, you know, and he just traveling around the country. He has, a, I think, he's got a great pulse on the aviation sector. Oh yeah, he does. So, he really does. He's well spoken you know, as well. Yeah. He's he's somebody yeah. that really knows what the country is, could want and and what how we can give it to them. So I mean, him being there, yeah. I think is 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 terrific. I don't care if he hasn't competed in a contest in ten years. That to me, that makes no difference. He he really yeah. knows what's going on within the aviation community and and has enough experience yeah. to weigh in. Yeah, and also he's the EA rep. You know, if we didn't have him, we'd have the EA appointing somebody else. He's on the EA board. That's yes. how he got his spot with us. We're lucky, unbelievably yeah. lucky. Oh you know, it's so often that we don't we don't we don't realize how lucky we are with things. I, I I see that sometimes in the many comments I got. You asked me about the getting ready for the board meeting a little bit ago. I had I think twenty five pages of notes of suggestions from members, and almost none of it is about DQs. That's not really what's important. It's it's the website, you know, is terrible, and there's a lot of really really big things that need to be done. So I really appreciate that that Mike uh, got in there and and gave us uh, something we could focus on instead of doing a two hour discussion that didn't go anywhere, which is what I was afraid we would do. We actually got business done. Oh my God. I love in it. My, I in love my it. dreams, it would never happen because the board members, the board uh, meeting should be serious, but how great would it be if when he walked in and then the Godfather theme started playing? <laughs> <laughs> you sit in a chair. Yeah. On his yeah. Throne. yeah. Um, I want to, I want to make a statement and then I have a, a question. Uh, okay. I, I do want to thank everybody. Um, for, for their hard work at that board meeting. I, I know it's not easy. Um, I, I think whether you agree or disagree, like, you know, uh, being appreciative of, of the hard work and, and the efforts of the volunteer organization is, um, you know, that should, that should be yeah. noted and, and needs to be said. Also, um, whether you agree or disagree with the decisions, you know, write to, write to the board members, write to the IAC and let them know how you feel about the subject. That's, that's the only way they're going to have their finger on the pulse of what's really going on and how people really feel, how the, how, how the members of the IC really feel. So um, it's different. It's uh, difficult sure. too for, for Mark and I, Jim, because, you know, Mark and I speak a lot about this and we're friends with, I, I hope I'm still friends with, I hope people don't hate me for, <laughs> for whatever so. this, but like, it's so hard because we're friends with both sides of the aisles and we could totally sure. see, you know, everybody's yeah. viewpoint, like, yeah, rules are rules. Yeah, I and, understand and, both sides. And, yeah. You can yeah. DQ somebody and this and that. And then, you know, you don't want to have an unsafe environment. I totally get it. And, and it's just tough because on my, you know, my personal opinion, which doesn't mean a lot, but 
you know, I want the U.S. team to do good. And, and AJ, in AJ's case, he scored very well. And I think he can contribute to a team goal, which, which I would love to see the U.S. do at a world level. And to just take somebody off the team, I just hate seeing that happen, especially after putting in the work. And then it's like, well, yeah, rules are rules. And he did wrong. It's like, it's such a tough decision. And, you know, personal beliefs aside, I hope anybody listening that knows me, you still want to be my friend. I mean, obviously I feel the same way. I, I, I'm not, I'm not giving up a friendship because of a controversial decision. I've lost way more battles than I've won. I didn't even consider this to be my battle. It's just something that I it was felt I like know. I was compelled to vote on. It's just a battle. Yeah. yeah but, but you know, if, if we're going to lose friends over that, they're not really friends, I guess. I don't know what to say. It, it, yeah. These things, we're not, we're not going to ever get out of controversy and we're trying to move the sport forward. We're trying to, to show integrity in a, in a way that makes sense to people. You could say the jury should be respected. That's a reasonable principle. You could say that uh, we shouldn't DQ people in these situations. That's a reasonable principle. They're both principled positions. Nobody has a lock on, on principle. No one's arguing against people who are unprincipled. No one's a bad person in this. It's just disagreement. Yeah. 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 So, and Jim, uh, fin- finally, uh, well, are, are you, are you moving on from uh, uh board meeting talk? Yeah, yeah I was actually, yeah, yeah, I was. Do you have another question? Sure. Let me, let me um, uh, ask one more question and then we'll move on. Um, board meeting minutes. Uh, c- when can we expect those posted? So people that actually want to see, uh, what occurred at the at the fall board meeting? Uh, when can we expect to see those so they can actually read that? And- well, I think it'll be a while. Um, it might be a while before you see official minutes, but the uh, Lori is already getting things ready you know, to go out about the uh, the rules and other changes we made. Uh, we'll start you know acting on motions and enacting things that the, the board decided to do. Uh, I'm an open book if you want to ask about something. I can't I can't remember it all right now. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't think it's there's like there's no secret about any of it, of course. But it just takes time to get the minutes together. We might not even post sure. them until we have another meeting because typically we don't we don't worry about that until the next meeting. Then we approve the minutes, and until then they're draft. And we sometimes don't share the drafts um, except internally. So I can't really say when they're going to have that information, honestly. But this would be the only thing I think is really controversial. You know, if, uh, yeah. Most of it's like approving the budget. You know, and uh, we changed some policy procedure documents that that have some effect on things. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't know if they're that. I don't remember anything that's really important to anybody. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's change shop uh, topics and talk about something that, uh, will be here after the, the meeting, uh, minutes. <laughs> yeah. And that when is your, you, uh, your yeah. FX. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I want the web- website oh. website. I want to know when oh, we can get it. Yeah. When can we get a, I don't want to be mean. When is the website going to change? <laughs> well, we finally have, yeah. Uh, we have a budget. We have a budget for that now. We've actually got a budget approved, which has changes to the website. So uh, you may not know, but I actually donated uh, probably, you know, uh, seven or eight or ten thousand dollars worth of one of my employees' time to do a, an update to it last year. But we didn't get that uh, implemented. Now it's the, probably not going to be implemented. But we're going to find a professional company who can who can take the website and make it better. We can I request they, Apple yeah, Pay through a, a cellular cellular device? To sign well, people we'll see up. The budget for that. I mean, uh, frankly, um, we just we are just we don't we're not flush with the cash, the kind of cash it takes to make a really robust website with a lot of user interface and fancy features. But we can at least change the presentation so it doesn't look like it's from you know twenty years ago. And I think that's what yeah. we can do. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Anyway, we'll see right, how we, much could, we can get that. We could talk about your MX that you have um, that you're flying <laughs> in Australia. If you so want. I just I just decided to paint a solid <laughs> single color. That's the big news because um, I did, I have this really cool color scheme, and I'll save it for another one. 
because it's just uh, to help the plane get done as fast as possible. I decided to change the color. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so does that go significantly white. change the delivery time? Uh, it, apparently it I'm does. At- yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it does. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to explain tomorrow. So anything to do, if it shaves it by a day, you know, I want to get it done. Uh, yeah. But, um, I got to start practicing with it because I, I've got to, I would like to get up to speed on it before the contest season. And it's already probably too late to do that now. So what solid nice color are you going to go with? Okay. So if you go to your Google browser and type in Porsche chalk, the chalk color, that's what I'm oh. going with. Ooh, it's like that off, off white kind of grayish. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll do some. Uh, I'll still probably do some orange or blue, uh, maybe black accents on it in vinyl, and uh, it'll be just a blank canvas, so I can change the vinyl around when I want to. I don't know if my internet can handle having two windows open. That's <laughs> gonna look so good. I think it's gonna look good. Yeah, it'll that's be gonna look so good. It's gonna look, yeah, it's gonna look like a modern uh, scheme. It's kind of a minimalist design. Uh, Is it gonna be gloss finish or matte? I think it might be matte. I haven't decided yet. It's still being. Uh, oh, that's a hot color. Out. I think it's a yeah, good color. Yeah, that's going to look I mean, great. It's, it's, look, it's one color. But I didn't want to do red. didn't want to do blue. I mean, I always try to do things that are different. And I, so I, I haven't seen a plane like this. I, and I, I, heck, I might I might put uh, gold chrome vinyl all over it. I don't even know yet. But oh, please do. <laughs> we'll see. Hell yeah. Get out, get out of the airplane with like a gold chain necklace. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like one of those spinning gold medallions, tea. like extra NG spinning medallions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be like yeah. LEG. So has your... <laughs> Has your, um, has, have you, how do I want to ask this? Your relationship with <laughs> Southeast Arrow now, mm-hmm. um, potentially, uh, is going to be intrinsically linked with extra and, and, and obviously mm-hmm. there's, there's other avenues for dealer uh, networks and things like that down the road. I'm sure. Um, has that changed or altered your decision to stay with MX? Well, no, it hasn't. I did talk to Walter about today, actually, uh, because I said, well, that's a little awkward. We have to talk about this issue where I have an MXS on order. And I really want to fly the thing. And it's it's a different enough product he understands where I'm coming from and to be a personal aircraft. Um, so he didn't really have any issues with it at all. I, I'm, and, I, you know, we'll see how I warm up to it and everything. I, I assume I'm going to absolutely love the airplane. And I'm going to fly extras also. I hope to do some, you know, air shows and extras and do some demos of extras because I think they're great, great products. But when oh, yeah. it comes to the kind of thing I'm trying to do, which is uh, compete really strongly in the freestyle, event it's just it's frank compete against rob i think everyone recognizes that the extra can't do it and i bet you walter probably feels like he'd rather see me try an aircraft that's designed for it than than keep you know butchering the sc to make it do the things it's not supposed to do i think he probably feels better about that if yeah. he even knows about that is so there anything just different? Ask you if he if he had talked about, if you yeah. talked to him about that <laughs> i hope he doesn't watch i hope he doesn't listen to your podcast i just realized he probably doesn't know <laughs> he might yeah he, he probably might. does <laughs> Um, yeah. Anything different with the MX compared to uh, the MXSRH? Is yours the MXS JB? I had all these ideas. So there's some neat things we we're going to do, but at this point, no, we're just going to make a. It's going to. I think it's. Well, it's going to be pretty essentially the same as Rob's. I think there's a couple little things, but it's basically yeah. the same thing. What propeller are you uh, going with? I have. I've got a few propellers. I, I went with a Hartzell Talon, uh, which okay. I, I haven't tried yet. I have another one of those in my hangar. I haven't put on my extra. I'm going to try the extra also. I've heard good nice. things. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And the whole Bulldog project, um, I've got, um, let's just uh, give you guys an update on that. It's not maybe super aerobatic, but um, we actually have pieces from the original Hall Bulldog, apparently, that we found. Um, just Ooh, how'd, you, how'd you find them? <laughs> they were in a museum in a box marked Hall Bulldog. And uh, <laughs> we have a, I, I hired somebody to, to do research and be the historian for the project, and he just 
called every museum in existence and finally found something. Yeah, we got that's got amazing. Of mobile dog, and no one's ever wow. asked about it before. They're on a, in a shelf somewhere, and uh, we got them for free. They've, they're at my house right now. It's nice. not very much. We got some fabric from the original airplane and the, and a tr- the trim wheel. Uh, it's going to be really cool. So we'll put those on the airplane. Wow, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Where can we? we where can people uh, find that on social media? Is that or is it not? Well, up I yet? haven't. I haven't posted that yet. It's there's there's a bunch of stuff going on with the project we haven't talked about yet. It's just been too busy. Yeah. All kinds of stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 How did, um, so we didn't really talk about Sebring, um, mm-hmm. which is an amazing contest. I know COVID is just sh- crapping on every contest around the U S these past years. Um, actually this one would have been mother nature. <laughs> yeah. Florida, Florida doesn't know what COVID is. Don't worry about that in Florida. Yeah. 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 Um, but, um, yeah, we heard you, well, we saw you brought the NG there, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. Um, and, um, what was the vibe at Sebring? Um, uh, well, it seemed it to be a lot they of- had, they, we had, we got rained out completely. We didn't get to fly at all, which was such a shame because they had, uh, 40 or 50 registered pilots. I think still like 30 showed up, even though we knew we wouldn't get much flying in. So there's a lot of enthusiasm down there. It's, it's a good group. I, I think it would, it's too bad. We didn't get to have a, a contest. I, I was really hoping we'd get it done, but you know, it just couldn't happen. It's one of those things. Oh man. It's too bad. But yeah, yeah, the vibe was good. Uh, we were talking about Kevin Campbell, who passed away, of course. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, um, and Tom Adams as well. That kind of reminiscing on a couple of people that were that we miss. Uh, but uh, you know, mostly we just sat around and chatted, which is honestly, to me, it was one of the more fun contests I've had. No pressure, and you know, we just I'm got surprised, to kind of like out. laid back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Marianne um, has been flying really well in the decathlon, so I threw the NG, and I was uh, she had just gotten ready to fly sportsman. She was just really just able to do it, so I was really excited to see her fly. And I'm really sorry she didn't get you against you. So yeah, we'll is to, the we'll first lady going to join it? Uh, is she going to move up to intermediate? Well, the goal is to get her ready for intermediate right away, starting right away. Um, she she loves it. She loves it. We we had some talk about putting her in a pits. Uh, which is a good appropriate step, but I think she's going to be okay in the NG to, to learn intermediate. We're going to just try that and see how it goes. I'm really curious to see if she can do that. And so far it's going okay. So we're going to try that route. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah, exciting. Yeah, it is. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and then another thing we're going to talk about is um, a training. I don't know if you want to save it for another one. We're going to yeah. training for the nationals, but how much time do we have? I don't even know how long we've been on. It's like a four no, we're hour good. thing already. We got like four hours we- left. <laughs> yeah, we're at an hour and 50 as we speak. Yeah, that's, maybe that's enough. But uh, real quickly, I uh, I did have uh, Olivier Masserell from. Uh, oh, France my God. Yeah, that's right. The, we have to talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk okay. about that. and We'll finish up. <laughs> OK, sounds good. Well, um, Olivier is a great, great coach. Um, he's really fun, of course. And um, he's obviously a great pilot. I don't know if he's well known in the U.S. for to a lot of people. How did you but, link uh, up with a, him and and formed a relationship and and you know, get on to coach, uh, having him train you. Um, I, I met him in, uh, South Africa in 2017. And then, in, and, um, I, I didn't get to know the French team very well, but in 2019, we were there in France for quite a while. And I, um, hung out with a guy named Loic Lovercourt, who's, who was, um, who's on the French team yeah. now, but the time was a warm up pilot and he's a cool guy. Yeah. He was a dance competitor before. I so we hung character. out with him. Yeah. He's a good guy. And he's good friends with Olivier and, and we, I had um, this virtual reality stuff I brought with us, so we were able to uh, to walk the sequences in virtual reality, and oh, uh, cool. it was like it was really great and really helped the US team out. And uh, Olivier kind of heard about. It. They knew that we knew it was something was up because we had our tent was all 
like cupboards you couldn't see inside of it. He's like, hey, what's going on in the tent? You I know? love it. So I decided to go ahead and show him and Loic. And um, I figured they don't know enough about computers to do it anyway, even if they know what we're doing, you know? So I figured it was safe to show them. So I showed him, and then we just kind of talked about aerobatics for a while. And, um, and then I just stayed in touch with them. I brought him over to Arizona to, to coach me a couple of years ago um, and been in touch with him and Ramon Fall. Since then, uh, both of them kind of getting virtual coaching from both of them. Um, uh, but then, you know, with coronavirus, it was hard to, to get them to come over, but, uh, Olivia was able to make it work with the schedule and he had, he quit the French team. Um, he's, he's off the French team now. So he had availability with, for the first time in a long time. So he was able yeah. to make the trip over. Um, and and what, what do you like about him? And yeah, the, the French method is just so good. And I, I, I'm really learning as much as I can about how they do things because it's really going to help everybody here to become better pilots. If I can share it all. And essentially. I think the first thing is there's no shame in any, I don't know how to put it, but there's, there's nothing like, um, um, like kind of in the U S I don't know. I can't say it in a polite way. It's going to be vulgar, but be like, <laughs> you, you, you got, you gotta, you gotta be a, like full a full send. Yeah. Right. And you should be, that's true. But first you have to have really strong technical skills or else you're just being stupid. And I think that the French are much better about recognizing and accepting where they are on a technical level and keeping things within the skill level of the pilot. And, um, and, and focusing on technique and then allowing them, allowing people when they get good technique to, to fly stronger and harder and accept that. Just what do you mean naturally. by saying technique, uh, specifically, you mean lines and angles or rotational well, elements? Well, I think, I think airspeed is the thing that would be the most different is that, um, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years. What's really changed my flying last two years is my understanding of, uh, my airspeed, my, my, um, my awareness of how fast I'm going and what's right, what, what speed is appropriate for figures. Um, and I think the, before that I was focused on flying very, very hard and very, very fast and being probably flying much too fast. Most of the time, sometimes maybe too slow, but most of the time it's just way too fast. And that really messes up your timing on snap rolls in particular. So it's good to have target speeds and, uh, to practice figures, um, in isolation so you know what the speed should be. And then you put them together in a sequence. So like when we were looking at unknowns with Olivier, he, he really had a, an idea of exactly how fast I should be for everything. You do this figure at this speed, this figure at this speed. That's a big change in how I had practiced. It wasn't That's about going as fast yeah. as I could. It was about uh, making the figures, um, you know, starting the figure at the correct position and the correct airspeed so I'd be successful. And then also when I made mistakes, um, he's just very gentle about it. There, there was never any discouragement. It was um, just curiosity about what, the, what caused the mistake. We'd talk it through together and we walked the sequences. Um, uh, a lot before we would fly and I'd have his attention, which was helpful. And then I would just go execute what we had planned to do, but I'd have a, a whole plan. It wasn't just like, you know, fly this well. It was a really established plan about every part of the figure, how long I would wait in this part, how many seconds to count, what airspeed to be at and how deep the pitch should be and how far the rudder went in. And, and I'd have it all visualized really well. So when I'd go to fly, I would do, it would do better. This is a tough year for me because I had um, an Achilles tendon problem. So I wasn't able to practice for about two months until just before nationals to like the week and a half before. So I, when I met with him, I was really worried about being ready, but he got me ready in like nine days and I felt very ready by the time the contest started. So that, that's really to his credit. Wow. I, I, I never had success like that with anybody else. It's just his ability to, to get a pilot ready to go. Yeah. How excited are you yeah. for, for bourbon to be back on the scene? I'm Mark and I are pumped. I, I just had dinner with him last night and he was on your show last. So I listened to the show on the oh, way yeah. over to that was a good show. Yeah. At. Yeah, yeah, it's, he's great. We we talked about that quite a bit. Uh, he's a he's a great ambassador, he's a great pilot, of course, a good friend. Uh, Such I, a great I, human being. 
Yeah, I was, I was, a, I wanted to be on the team with Goody. My whole airbag career, I wanted to be on a team with Goody and Jeff and Rob. And I'm really disappointed that Goody didn't, didn't wasn't able to work out for Goody. But I'm you very know, excited to be yeah. on a team with, with Jeff you know, and Rob. I really a, enjoy you're on guys. a show right now, and you're the president. This is a great yeah. time to ask you. Um, the, Are you going to ask the, me to reverse Goody's uh, hard zeros? Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> um, in the adva- for the advanced team, we had that night that whole debacle with the eighth pilot thing and yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Is there any? Um, I don't want to get into that. Is there any future um, possibility that the unlimited team can leave the last two slots open to coaches uh, choosing or board choosing or something? You know what I'm getting at, right? Well, this has been debated a lot. The, the my concern about those about anything that's not objective is it opens the the, the selection up to a political process and you can see how the political process, uh, how painful <laughs> that is on the members. And I worry that we will have, um, you know, uh, letter writing campaigns and, you know, and arguments yeah. about who did or didn't deserve to be on the team. And, and I, I, but I, I'm not uh, at the same time, I don't feel like we have it all right yet. And I, and I say that even though we've, I think modified that procedure document, the policy document, every board meeting I've been to, Right. It's, I've never seen a policy document get modified so much. We have different ideas all the time. But for now, this year, the board has decided that 65 percent will be the cutoff. And that's it. That's yeah. been, they've been very firm about that. And at least that gives everybody a target. And hopefully they practice until they know they can get 75 percent so they can hard zero figure and still get 65. Because I don't see a lot of sign the boards will, will really change that, at least not you, right now. We'll see. Do you think that there'll ever be a time where the and I'm not I'm not being um cryptic or or anything like that like that um but do you think there'll ever be a time where the u.s unlimited coach will have been selected prior you know prior to u.s nationals and them flying so he can actually see the flying and and will said coach have more authority over you know team government government governance if we look at what the french do you have um complaints about they, they have complaints about how they select pilots all the time so it's not, it's actually, it could be good, but it's, then you're, then you're, it's again, a political process where now the selection of the coach becomes part of the political process and the, the allegations of the coach's bias become part of the political process. And, uh, you know, whether that's, um, is that going to reduce controversy or increase it is a judgment call. But, but what I think probably makes the most sense eventually is we would have hopefully an endowment that would allow us to, to, to pay for a full-time manager who would then be in charge of selecting the coach and managing all the operations logistics for the team. And uh, the coach could be swapped in and out, but the manager's job would be to, to make sure that they win, but they wouldn't have decision-making authority over who's on the team. I feel like those two decisions have to be uh, separated. So you don't have yeah. the political influence involved, but I don't know. I mean, we're a long ways from those kinds of things. I don't, I, there's nothing on the, on the, nothing the board's currently talking about that would, that would get where you're going. Would we get that type of ruling or your MXS first? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Oh, man. sorry well, i had to like, i'm sorry yeah yeah we're a couple years into the mxs or so i don't know so i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna get mxs pretty soon in fact jack sent me a picture today of it uh in primer so you know what i think how, how far can we be oh i hey, think that's that, that's progress i think rob well, holland my, is holding up the, the deal that's what i think yeah <laughs> well I, that's why <laughs> I think the color ch- chalk because it's as close to primer as you can get. So I figured they did, you know, shoot one more coat on it and send it over to me. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Can, you, yeah. Can, you, can you name it the MXS RHH? <laughs> what's the RHH? What's the extra H for? 
just because I don't know, more is better, I guess. No, I right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be an MXS JB, I guess. I don't know. That's what they do. They're they're, they're giving you the initials. And, or you could do like yeah, the pretty- MXS uh, uh, BTR, better than Rob. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought it'd be fun to paint like Rob sucks in the bottom of my wing, you know, and then you like do a figure over vertical. Or do- and- do fly good on the top and then on the bottom, Rob sucks. Fly good, Rob sucks. Well, some, some, <laughs> somebody said that I should get my, but maybe you guys last time said I should get Rob's scheme. That'd be really funny to just have the oh, exact same scheme. You would, Jim, you would, you would go above Don level status. You would yeah. supersede the Don <laughs> if you did that. Yeah. 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 Well, enough about that guy. Nobody cares about that guy. And you know what else is funny too is nobody's talking about how alike you and Aaron McCartan look. Like it's scary how close you guys look alike. Nobody's talking about yeah. it. That's the real conspiracy. That's, That's the real the conspiracy. Real, that that should have uh, came is. up in a board meeting. First, it is order. First ruling. <laughs> look at this it picture. Is. Who is who? <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, we had to look at the picture. He, I put his. He put my glasses on or something like that. Yeah. You should have yeah, bought his pants. You should have bought his pants off. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that meme's over i guess wow what are you gonna do without that Re- i don't We're know reinvent it yeah just re- <laughs> yeah on to the next one yeah oh man yeah. i gotta do a well, video uh, i could do a video meme of you buying southeast arrow just walking walking around st augustine shopping with my gold with my gold chains gold chains. here's a wallet yeah here's a here, here's the the uh north american uh, extra distributor i'm gonna buy yeah, that put in my pocket Marianne, I'll tell you what give, you me, can do. give me five seconds, Marianne. Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> you guys take you platinum is, Amex. Uh, uh, you can, you can. Uh, when you when you do the music for this episode, I want you to go find "Get the Funk Out My Face." F U N K. Okay, get Done. the funk out my face by by the Brothers Johnson because that's my theme music. And oh, I want I you to it. find a way to put that into the beginning or the end or something like that. You know, hear the bass line, you'll know why it works so well for theme. For I don't know if you music. noticed, but we have the best technical. Um, Oh yeah, director in all yeah. podcast uh, world. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, this has been great, man. I'm. I feel like there's a lot more to talk about, which is great because we definitely want to get you on. And I feel like yeah. it'd be nice to get you on every few months and and sure. keep everybody updated with the IEC. I, I think it's an exciting yeah. time. Um, I've said it, um, and I hope you know everybody agrees with me. But I think that. Um, National Aerobatics Day, tremendous success. I think that, you know, we're getting, you know, some of these really big voices like Goulian and David Martin and Craig Gifford involved and Jeff Bourbon's back. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of the heartbeat is, is come is stronger and I think it's, it's fresh again and a lot of exciting mm-hmm. things are happening. So really, yeah. um, thank you for everything you're doing. I think you're putting a lot of time and, and effort that you don't need to do and you're doing it because you love it. And, um, and I know yeah. it's not paid to be serious. So, um, and your time is valuable, but I just want to say thanks and, and thanks yeah. to everybody else in the IAC for what they do. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. It's always good to talk to you guys. You guys do a lot for the sport. Uh, you have a lot of fun with it. I really appreciate that you guys are out there doing that. We're all in this together and we're all doing it for free. I don't think you guys make a lot of money either. Right. So here we are. <laughs> we're all volunteers. I, I well, still, I don't I still only Mark have a, a midwing. Out. Mark yeah. what a Northern Lights midwing, so he's rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> you might say things are looking up. <laughs> well, Mark, come on down to St. Augustine. When I get down there and you can fly with me in the NG, we'll see if you're interested in one. Would love yeah. that. Oh, I would yeah. love that. Absolutely. Equal, equal trade. You heard it here. 
Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the trade-in value. It is a Northern yeah. Lights midwing, so. Yeah, yeah, that's special right there. That's <laughs> it's, got, double got, it's got a knob yeah. for a trim lever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't, can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Jim, anything anything you want to plug before we uh, we get you out of here? Or anybody you want to smack talk? Uh, Ooh. That's a new there's line, so much right? Going, there's it's there's a, a lot going on, but I would be opening up uh, new things to talk about. Nope, it's it's uh, good. We had a good call. I really appreciate you guys bringing up all the stuff. And I, I, I like that you just hit me with things. I think it's exactly what needs to happen. Everybody deserves to know my thoughts so they can vote against me if they want to or vote for me or you know it's really important that everybody gets uh, gets to hear this stuff uh, i really believe in that so I, I appreciate that i have the opportunity to talk to you guys about it. thank you awesome absolutely anytime we'll have where, you on can anytime. People, where can people find you where can on they the, find you <laughs> on the internet and uh and everything your like address that. can you can you give everybody your address yeah. your mailing address well, you, can, you can actually you can email president at isc.org um, and, uh, and you can always email the board by, by emailing the secretary. I, I can get you the email if you, uh, email me at president at IAC.org. Um, and I, you, you can go to jimburke.com, which is of course, Jim B-O-U-R-K-E Burke.com and, uh, use the contact form there, see whatever I have going on. I usually post every once while I post stuff on there. Yeah. Awesome. Lately, I, I made awesome. a video game. I made a new video game. It's going to go on there. It's a stupid little game. I'll send it to you guys. So you can play it and tell me what your high score is. Oh, sweet. What, we, what yeah. do we get if we get, we need. To be like motivated by snow cones, a literal or snow cone, a literal snow cone. <laughs> you'll have oh, deal. Snow yeah, I mean, you'll have, uh, you as... you have to pay for it, but that'll be the, that's still the snow cone that represents your victory. So it's still that it's still a victory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks again, Jim, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and right. uh, we can't wait to have you back on again. Okay, yeah. guys, thanks a million. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 